You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars Rogue One, Star Wars Episode Eight, Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars Rebels, and everything else Star Wars, um, all these new and exciting movies and projects that are coming up. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I know it's been a while since our last episode, but we wanted to uh, wait till a couple big things came out uh, that obviously we're going to spend a lot of time talking about tonight, so uh, good to have you with us as always. Always, I'm your host Kyle, and I've got my co-host Tim with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. Nothing too much going on. Just you know, been making some attack runs on the Death Star, defending the Star Destroyer, trying to rescue an astromech droid from the Death Star. You know, just the regular stuff throughout the day. So, <laughs> yeah, we've been playing a lot of Star Wars Battlefront, um, which you know, like. I mean, we'll get to this later, but the uh, the Death Star DLC expansion just came out for that. We've got uh, the premiere of Star Wars Rebels Season 3 to talk about. Um, but first, let's talk about Rogue One and the movie-related stuff, as we always do. Um, and first of all, um, I mean, this isn't directly movies, but it's Rogue One-related um, and more collecting news. Uh, let's see, it's... Wednesday, as we're recording this right now, hoping to have it out by Thursday. Um, and Friday of this week, September 30th, is essentially Force Friday for this year. Um, although, except they're calling it... Uh, they just go rogue. Yeah, I mean, go rogue is sort of the hashtag that they're using. And uh, that's the name of that um, video series they've been putting out with the action figures and stuff. Um yeah, so September 30th is the day to go rogue. Uh, that's the day that all the Rogue One merchandise is hitting. And it's weird. We were talking about this, you know, before we recorded that, like, we just haven't really heard that much about it this year. Um, it seems like, you know, a couple months ago, you know, we were hearing rumors about when this might happen and when the big you know, Force Friday for this year was going to be. Um, and in fact, I think for a while we thought it was in October. And then I was like, Wait, do we ever actually remember hearing an official announcement about that? Because I'm not even sure, like, why we think it's going to be in October. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, it's September 30th. But there just hasn't really been a whole lot of, uh, you know, hype and excitement around it. Um, 
nearly to the level that there was last year. But, you know, if you're a collector, maybe that's a good thing because if you want to try to, you know, go to Walmart at midnight and uh, find some Rogue One action figures, uh, there might not be as much competition, you know, no people trying to you know push kids out of the way to get the, the last <laughs> Black Series Death Trooper and all that kind of stuff. Stop um, trying to describe me, Kyle, in that instance. <laughs> <laughs> As I try to make my way to get those Death Trooper figures. Yeah. Well, actually, in that case, I wasn't even thinking of you particularly. I was just thinking about the the crazy rabid collector people. But then, yes, when I when it comes to Death Troopers, uh, yeah, Tim would just like go all Hulk smash on people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are still stores having events and stuff. I think Toys R Us might be the only one that's having like a midnight launch event kind of thing like they did for force friday last year um and toys r us is also the only place you can pick up the uh, six inch black series imperial hover tank pilot um but then they're also i should have pulled up a list here of like the what the actual figures are that are going to be available because i know i've seen some somewhere but i know like for the six inch black series there's going to be a gin there's going to be a death trooper um i think there's gonna oh there's gonna be a k2so and i think cassian um and I don't remember if there's any more. I think there's also like some repackaged, um, maybe like a Ray and Finn or something like that. Um, oh, no, I think, is, wait, is is this also when the, the unmasked Kylo Ren is coming out? That I'm not sure on, because it's possible, because I know there is one coming out, but I'm not sure if it's in this first wave. Yeah, it's, it's either in this wave or the next one, so that should be out before the end of this year. Um, but anyway... Um, so yeah, like we said, Toys R Us is having that launch event, uh, Walmart, uh, you know, Target, the Disney store, Amazon, they're all having sales and events and stuff like that. Uh, Walmart's also got some exclusives. They've got a, uh, an electronic R2-D2, um, that looks like, uh, you know, it, it's like one of those interactive ones, kind of like the Sphero BB-8. Um, and I think it's, you know, runs for like a hundred bucks or something. So it's pretty interactive. And I think it even, you know, reacts to like your music. And, uh, if you play like the Imperial March or like a Darth Vader breathing sound, R2 will like freak out and run away or something <laughs> like that. Um, and Walmart also has the, I think they're still the only place you can get the three and three quarter inch black series figures, which, uh, if you know, you're, you're a more serious collector who's, into the smaller scale figures that still have all the the joints and the articulation that they used to have. Um, that's pretty much the only place you can get that kind of stuff. Um, and I think they've got a new wave coming out that includes a, uh, a sort of live action depiction of a uh, of Ahsoka from um, the later seasons of Clone Wars. So I might try to swing by just to pick that up because I still have never been able to find the Clone Wars Ahsoka figure. Um, I mean, I've got the one from season one, but not the one from season three. Um, so if I can find this at my local Walmart, I will get that just to somewhat complete my Clone Wars collection. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Tim, I don't know if you've got anything you want to add to that, but obviously uh, I'm sure, you know, whether or not we're going to the big collecting events at midnight, you know, slowly but surely you'll start seeing all the rogue one stuff on store shelves more and more as we get closer to the movie release <clears throat> um you know it, it is like i said a little weird that uh there wasn't as much hype and press and stuff around it this year but you know at the same time like 
for the Force Awakens, that was a huge deal. I'm like, now that I think about it, you don't hear a, a huge announcement every time you know the toys come out for a new Marvel movie. Um, so now that Star Wars is kind of firmly back on the map, it's you know maybe not quite as big of a deal every time the toys for every movie come out. But um, so you know, there it is. If you're you know looking to pick up Rogue One figures and stuff, you've only got another day or two to wait. Yeah, for me, I mean, I've been guilty of, you know, it not being on my radar like Force Friday was for The Force Awakens, but I kind of had to keep reminding myself this week that, yeah, this Thursday, the Rogue One stuff's coming out, so I'm probably going to check out my local Toys R Us around midnight tomorrow night, but not going to wait online like I did for hours, um, like I did for The Force Awakens and pretty much didn't get anything <laughs> that I was hoping to get, but they are having an exclusive poster and t-shirt at Toys R Us, so got to get there a little bit, of, maybe I'll get there an hour in advance to see how the line is, and Hopefully, I'll score a T-shirt and a Death Trooper figure. <laughs> that's my <laughs> goal. But the day after, that's when I'm going to go all out looking for as many Death Trooper T-shirts as I can get. <laughs> Walmart, Target, online, see what different stores have anything with a Death Trooper on it. I'm probably going to get. So that's going to be my main shopping day on Friday. That's kind of how it was for Force Friday for me too. After the midnight madness at Toys R Us, the next day I went to Walmart, Target. That's where I got the bulk of my merchandise for Force that Force Friday weekend. So I imagine it's probably going to be something similar to that because I don't know. I don't have much confidence in my Toys R Us after last year of having <laughs> that many good figures that I want, but we'll see how it goes. I'm definitely going to go and check it out tomorrow night. Yeah. Also, if you're, if you want to get t-shirts and try to find, you know, shirts with death troopers and stuff on it, I would check out Kohl's for sure. Yeah. Um, Cause good. that is, that's where I got the bulk of my force awakens t-shirts last year and they had stuff on sale. And I think, you know, my mom sent me like an online coupon that I used and, uh, you know, like I don't shop there often, but once I went in there, I was like, they got a pretty good selection anyways. Um, especially yep. for a super tall guy like me, like they've got a really big, uh, you know, men's tall section with just, you know, XL t-shirts and stuff like that. But, um, then with, yeah, as far as the star Wars stuff goes, they had a big selection of stuff, um, for the force awakens. And then also just, you know, star Wars related apparel in general, you know, like, uh, original trilogy theme stuff and whatever. Um, so just a good place in general to update your star Wars wardrobe, even if you're not particularly looking for stuff with, uh, just the latest movie on it. But, um, yeah, I had to try really hard not to spend all my money in there. Um, <laughs> but I think all told I got maybe like four or five shirts from there that in fact, I'm wearing one of them right now that I got from Kohl's. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely gonna be someplace I'm checking out too. Yeah, good call on that. Thanks for reminding me because I went there later that weekend, not the first two days, and I did pick up some cool shirts. So got to remember to go that <laughs> to the Coles on Friday or Saturday or something. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, happy hunting, everybody. Um, now let's get to talking about the actual movie itself. Um, and this was kind of some surprising news that we got this week. Uh, or not this week. I guess this was a couple weeks ago now. Um, but, uh, we have a new composer for Rogue One, um, and it's interesting that this just came out now, but it sounds like it goes back to when they were doing the reshoots over the summer, um, that, um, you know, because they had to, uh, do some extensive reshoots and whatnot, that it kind of pushed back the schedule for, uh, recording the score. And so Alexandre Desplat, who was originally supposed to, uh, be doing the score for this movie, you know, was no longer available with the new time frame that they were looking at. So he dropped out and now, uh, has been replaced by Michael Giacchino, who, um, 
I mean, I think he's a great choice to do this. He scored uh, Jurassic World. He has worked on, or he he did the uh, the Star Trek reboot films. Um, in fact, I have to check. I don't know if he did the most recent one. Um, I want to say yes. I would imagine he probably did. I'm just gonna look up his uh, IMDb credits real quick. But yeah, I know uh, he's probably most well known for the Star Trek films. Um, and so, you know, he's kind of, he's worked with JJ Abrams before he's worked with Disney before, uh, as he's done, uh, some work on Disney Pixar. He did, uh, the score for the Incredibles and for Inside Out. Um, I think he's doing Dr. Strange for like a superhero movie too. Yeah, I saw that too. And so, uh, they said, you know, after he does Dr. Strange and Rogue One, um, he will have worked with, you know, all of, uh, Disney's like film arms, basically, <laughs> um, you know, with Marvel and Disney. And he's also, you know, like I said, he's done the animation stuff and he's done uh, other live action Disney films. Uh, he did like John Carter and Tomorrowland. So um, it's funny because even though I know his name and know a lot of stuff he's worked on, I didn't realize how much other stuff he's worked on that I've also seen and, you know, am familiar with and just didn't realize it was him. Yeah, I mean, when I first heard this, it was kind of like you knew he was going to score a Star Wars movie eventually, whether it was going to be one of the standalone movies or John Williams decided he's not going to come back for episode nine or beyond that. But you just knew at some point Michael Giacchino was going to score a Star Wars movie. And this is kind of a surprise because, like, you know, we were expecting it to for him not to do Rogue One. But now that he is and I th- like you, I think it is, you know, a welcome choice, I think. Even before John Williams was announced for Episode Seven, there was talk amongst fans like, "No, it would be a good choice, Michael Giacchino, to take uh-huh. over the reins." But the only thing I'm concerned about is that is he going to have enough time to create a a good score with some great themes for some new Star Wars characters that we're going to love and fit in with you know what John Williams has done? And I don't know the normal schedules as far as uh, how long it takes for a composer to start working on the music to to writing it, to scoring it, and all that. So I just hope it wasn't something that he was rushed into and didn't have enough time creatively to sink his teeth into this movie and to the score he's going to create for it like he would do for any other picture that he works on. So we don't know as far as like how far back it goes for when Disney Lucasfilm brought him in. I mean, it could have been a few months before we got this initial news and it just came out when it did. So that's just I don't think it's going to be a big concern, but it was something I thought of when I heard this news. I just hope he has enough time to do what he has to do and, you know, feel comfortable and not rushed and doing a star Wars movie for his first one too. So we'll see, but I think it's going to turn out fine when it's all said and done. Yeah. Well, Oh my gosh. Like I'm looking at his IMDB credits right now and he's one of these composers that just like, is everywhere working on everything. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it, so, it won't be a big deal or this is just another thing for him that he's going to work on. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that he's probably, um, he, he's probably one of these composers that can, you know, works pretty fast. I know John Williams likes to take his time and, you know, be really involved in the project and, you know, usually never does more than like one or two scores per year. Um, plus, you know, he performs with the Boston pops orchestra and stuff like that. Um, but man, I mean, Michael Giacchino, like in 2009, he scored, 
I know Star Trek was one of them in 2009. <laughs> he scored, he's got 15 credits from wow. 2009. Now, to be fair, a lot of those are, I mean, some of them are uh, short films or TV shorts or uh, video games. Um, but, I mean, he did Star Trek and Up in 2009. Uh, he did the Up video game. He was doing the, he did the music for Lost. Um, I think, you know, most of, let me see, when was, when did that start? Lost? You're talking about the TV show Lost, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just scrolling down. It started to... in 2004, I believe. I don't know if he did it from the beginning. Maybe not. Oh, it would probably, no, I'm looking in the wrong place because it would go till the year. Okay, yeah, so the whole time, okay, so I guess that would be another credit for 2009 too because from 2004 to 2010, he did the score for Lost. Um, and from 2008 to 2013, he did the score for Fringe. Um, so in 2009, he was working on Lost, Fringe, Up, Star Trek, uh, you know, the Up video game. He did like a documentary for Lost on TV and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. So again, case in point, the, the dude can handle a big workload. Um, and this year he's already done, uh, Zootopia, Star Trek Beyond and Dr. Strange and now is working on Rogue One. So, uh, yeah, I would not be too worried about it. Um, you know, I, I think worst case scenario, you know, maybe it won't be the most memorable score. Um, but I definitely don't think it's going to be bad and I like, I mean, pretty much as far as I can remember, everything else that I've seen that he's done the music for, I've liked it. I mean, I love the score for that, uh, you know, the new Star Trek movie. Um, yeah, that thing's great. Of course, I say the new Star Trek movie. There's like three new ones now since, <laughs> you know, they rebooted it. But just, yeah, sort of the uh, the main theme from uh, the, the first reboot um, was really good. Um, he also did the music for Jurassic World, and I like that too. So, um yeah, I think he's a great choice. And like you said, uh, I specifically remember him being someone that I was thinking of um, before The Force Awakens, like before we knew for sure that John Williams was going to be scoring that movie. Um, and obviously, you know, nobody can replace John Williams. And I really wanted John Williams to come back. But if he didn't, uh, Jakina was the first choice in my mind as far as, you know, who I would like to see do it, but also as far as... Um, who I would have, you know, predicted that they would pick because he's had a long working relationship with JJ Abrams. Um, cause as I said, he worked on lost fringe and alias, which were all TV series that JJ Abrams was involved with. And then he also, you know, did the, uh, the music for all of the star Trek reboots. Um, and I also, I think he also did the music for the, uh, the mission impossible movie that Abrams directed. So, um, yeah, like I said, he's he's got a long track record. He's done a lot of great stuff, and I think he's going to be, you know, do an awesome job on Star Wars, even though he doesn't have a whole lot of time, but seems like he can handle it. Yep, well, we'll know for sure in just a little under three months when either we see the movie or get the soundtrack. <laughs> I'm curious if they're going to release the soundtrack the day of, of the release of the movie like we did with The Force Awakens, or they'll do a more traditional thing and release it beforehand since... 
probably not going to be as overly concerned with any spoilers or stuff on the soundtrack. Yeah. Ah, oh, dang it. I looked at the soundtrack list and now I know that the rebels get away with the Death Star plans at the end. Ah, oh, <laughs> movie's ruined. <laughs> oh, wish I hadn't spoiled that for myself. Two years of hype down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I hope we do, because I remember we talked about this a year ago when the Force Awakens soundtrack release date was announced, how I like getting the soundtrack beforehand, when, before I see a movie, just to get me more hyped up for it. And yeah. adds a little bit more to when I hear familiar themes when I see the movie, so kind of hoping we go back to that. Yeah, and I like to try to stay away from it, because I have had instances before where I've looked at the track listing for a soundtrack and seen something that was kind of a spoiler for the movie. But with Rogue One, I might not have as much of a problem with that because, like I said, you know, unless there's a, a tr well, I don't know, because we still don't know, like, which of the characters are going to make it, you know, who's going to live, who's going to die, whatever. But um, now, let me uh, ask you something real quick. I mean, this might be hard to answer now since we've seen the movie a, a million times and the music for it. But if you were to listen to the Force Awakens soundtrack before you saw the movie and you'd heard the track Torn Apart, how that music plays out, would you have gotten any idea of, like, not necessarily Han was going to die, or maybe you did, or just thought something major and bad was going to happen just by hearing the music of that track? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I And, again, like you said, it's it's hard to know for sure because, obviously, now that I've seen the movie a bunch of times, like, I can't associate that music with anything other than Han getting killed, but it's like if if I objectively try to sort of separate the two in my mind and think about just the music, like, obviously, that does sound like music that just, you know, just sort of generally like music that you would hear in a, in a movie when somebody gets killed, especially the way that there's sort of a, a dramatic buildup that, you know, it's kind of slow and just kind of yeah. dark and... Uh, you know, sort of atmospheric or whatever, and then it like slowly builds and builds and gets more tense. And then, you know, it kind of crescendos and then just cuts out and there's like a brief moment of silence. And then it gets real sort of like melancholy and it's like, yeah, somebody just died. <laughs> See, if I were to listen to the score without even looking at the track listing, I definitely would have thought something would have happened on Torn Apart or even uh, Star the Starkiller bass track where it's destroying mm -hmm. the Hosnian system. Yeah. Cause that's a pretty that somber tune also. And it wouldn't necessarily think it's Starkiller based in action, destroying planets. You would think that a oh, major character would be killed off with that. I probably would have thought that track more than torn apart would have been an indicator of, you know, this is where a major character is going to die. But yeah, well, if, um, I don't know if I had seen the track listing, I probably would have assumed this is people getting wiped out by Starkiller base, especially because that track reminds me a lot of, um, I want to say it's, I think Anakin's Betrayal from the Revenge of the Sith soundtrack that plays while, you know, Order 66 is going down. Um, so <laughs> and it's not really, yeah, I mean, the music is great, but it's not music that's tied to like the dramatic death of one character. It's more just like sad events going on where, you know, you're just watching all these Jedi get killed and it's, you know, like the whole track is is sad, whereas in Torn Apart, like I said, it it builds to a point where, you know, the, the tension builds and builds and then releases and then it goes into the, the somber melancholy part where you can kind of just picture like, 
okay, the tension's building, you're wondering what's going to happen and if this character is going to make it out, and then they die, and then the sad music is like mourning them after they're gone, whereas, uh, you know, on, on Starkiller Base or uh, Anakin's Betrayal, it's just as you're listening to the entire track, you just picture people dying the entire time. Yeah, Anakin's Betrayal is a perfect example of why I like <laughs> listening to the soundtracks before. Because I remember listening to that for the first time, and it's like, oh man, this is a great piece of music. And yeah, you know something bad's going down and just even by the title track, Anakin's betrayal, it could have put together of him taking out Jedi or whatnot, but didn't necessarily know for sure that that was going to be for order 66. And when I saw that sequence in the movie for the first time and hearing that music again, cause I listened to that soundtrack a lot before I saw the movie, it added to that scene for me, just hearing that familiar piece of music that I already loved and now being put on, this incredible sequence in the movie. So that's something where I draw to where I think of an example of hearing stuff beforehand, adding to my experience of seeing in the movie. But Mm -hmm. again, that's just me. So I'm not, I know that's not for everybody, but maybe if they can go back and forth with uh, maybe for the saga films, have it released the same day for the standalone movies, release it like a week or two beforehand, kind of give, get the best of both worlds, I guess in that scenario. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with it. Um, in fact, I could kind of maybe use row one as an experiment and try listening to this whole soundtrack ahead of time and just see, you know, sort of what my reaction is that way. But, um, I don't know, even if they release it like, you know, the week before at that point, it's like, you're so close to the movie coming out. I'm just like, I don't want to spoil anything else. Cause obviously by that point I've analyzed trailers to the point where I can kind of figure out what's going on. I've probably read an article or two that might contain spoilers and I'm just like trying to preserve as much of the surprise as I have left. Um, and even though the soundtrack doesn't really spoil it, it's still, I don't know. For me, like, I feel like listening to it, I would just be like, man, this is, it's like I'm experiencing part of the movie ahead of time instead of just like experiencing it all for the first time. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see. Either way, obviously, we're both excited for the experience of seeing a new star wars movie whether we know what the music is or not so seeing and hearing yeah yeah and i mean honestly for me like and i think i'm probably even you know a little bit more excited for the music now that uh michael giacchino is doing it um like that's that's going to be one of the big things i look for going into this and obviously with the force awakens and for you know as many other saga films as john williams is able to do like getting new John Williams music is obviously a huge, awesome part of the experience of a new star Wars movie, but this is going to be a totally different thing where it's like, okay, now I'm excited to see like what the new music is going to be like. And obviously I'm sure it'll draw on a lot of familiar themes and whatnot. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's going to be like, not only is this the first standalone film and, uh, you know, kind of the the first of these Star Wars stories, but also the first one that doesn't have John Williams music. So, yep, a lot of firsts. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be on Rogue One, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think we've talked that point to death. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's move on. We've got some new images for Rogue One. Um, there's this Pyramid International, which is a company I've never heard of, but I guess they do. You know, like licensed merchandise and. Uh, like posters and stationery and stuff like that. And they've got a huge online catalog of uh, Rogue One stuff, um, which, I mean, whether or not you're excited about 
posters and stationery and all that kind of stuff, you can just flip through this and see there are some really cool looking new images uh, from this movie that they've got in here. Um, in fact, I know, Tim, you already made one of them like our new cover picture on on our twitter profile uh, where it's got vader and director krennic and some tie fighters and some stormtroopers and uh man it's just this really cool image and uh, that's about all that's in there um oh yeah you mean the death troopers front and center with i i have to say like i mean most of the shots that we've seen of death troopers so far like I mean, I think they look awesome. I'm not as crazy about them as you are, but I think they look really cool uh, just, you know, in their normal, you know, stark black outfits. But then whenever we see these images of them where they've got like the green lights illuminating on the helmet, I think that just adds an extra touch to it that makes them look way cooler. Um, and it's just like, well, I mean, you you guys can look on... Uh, you know, on our, like I said, on our Twitter page or, or follow the link here and see all these pictures. I don't need to, you know, try to describe where all these lights are and stuff, but, um, man, it's just, it's a really cool detail that, and obviously, you know, it's kind of reminiscent of like a TIE fighter, um, where suddenly, you know, you've got like the, the glowing green light against, you know, the black armor. It almost reminds me of like a TIE fighter shooting, but I don't know. It's just, it's a really cool contrast and i hope that we get to see you know some of this in action in the movie like maybe there's a scene where they're out hunting at nighttime trying to find the rebels and this is i don't know if it's like their night vision mode or something like that but like we do know they're filming some sequence in the dark rain where there was that in the behind the scene footage was uh jen filming a scene where they're like rain falling down it looked dark so maybe there's death troopers with their Mm. green shining lights trying to find her or something yeah they look really cool yeah, and they're like front and center on a lot of these different products, especially the stationary stuff. The shots of Death Troopers with the green lights. And there's one of them, I think it's like on the third or fourth page, it's like this little booklet or journal where it's black and you see the Death Trooper on there and you see he has like, there's green in the background. You see the green light shining on like his breather of the mass. It just looks really cool. And that's, they're pretty much bringing that feature out a lot in these different products on this pyramid international catalog. Cause mm-hmm. almost every one of the death troopers, the green shining light from his eyes or the breathing part of the helmet. This looks like you said, it just looks so cool. And I'm, I want to get everything in this catalog that has a death trooper on it. Cause it just looks that cool. Yeah. I mean like, uh, you know, the reason I was saying I hope it's in the movie is cause like we haven't really seen it in any of the trailers or anything yet. And obviously, we know from experience, like with Captain Phasma, like, they know how to market a cool image. Um, Even, you know, with like the Constable Zuvio action figures. Um, (laughs) Which I still see plenty of on store shelves. I guarantee you tomorrow I'm going to see tons of Constable Zuvios. I'm looking for Rogue One stuff. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, of course, now that the movies come out and we've all seen it and gone, oh, well, like, who the heck even was that guy? Why is there an action figure of him? Um, but you know, my, my point is like, they've got this feature on here and it might not even make it into the finished film, but somebody could have seen it in a piece of concept art or, you know, read about it in an early draft of the script or something and went, man, that would make a really cool poster. And they just started using that for all the marketing materials. Um, and even, you know, with Phasma, like obviously she was in the movie, um, you know, and 
I mean, I know we, you know, give her crap for like not being in it all that much. I mean, she's got a couple of scenes and I'm like, for that type of character, it kind of makes sense. I mean, the disappointing thing with Phasma, I think, isn't necessarily like the lack of screen time or her lack of a role that she actually got in the movie, but it's that in contrast to like how much we saw her in the marketing and how hard it was to find a Captain Phasma action figure and how many, you know, how Gwendolyn Christie was always getting interviewed, like along with all the other main cast at like press junkets and stuff. And we're thinking like, man, this must be a really cool character. And then you see the movie and it's like, well, okay, like, I mean, she was in there some, but, you know, what was all the hype for? Yeah, at least one action sequence, just one, <laughs> was yeah. all I was asking for. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to be the same, well, you know, the Death Troopers might be in it the same amount of time as Captain Phasma was, because they're not major characters, they're just troopers, but I'm just, yeah. hopefully they have one awesome sequence that just, you know, lives up to how awesome they look. Yeah, well, I do think we'll get more of the Death Troopers in action. I'm just talking about that feature with the lights on the helmets. Like, we might not actually see that in the movie. I'm just saying they might be gotcha. using that as a selling point. Um, so I guess I'm comparing Phasma to the lights on the Death Troopers helmets. Um <laughs> <laughs> I watched the lights be in it more than Phasma was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a very high bar to clear, so yep. it could happen. Um, but yeah, so like I said, we've got a, a link to this, uh, you know, catalog on our, uh, you know, on our Twitter feed and Facebook and everything. So you guys can go check that out if you want. Um, you can just flip through this thing. And like you said, Tim, there are a lot of cool images in here. Um most of them revolving around death troopers, but even, you know, some of the ones with like Vader and I mean, I I will say the marketing for rogue one really is showing off how cool the bad guys look in star Wars and, you know, just seeing whether it's, (laughs) yeah, whether it's death troopers, storm troopers, you know, Vader, star destroyers, tie fighters, these new tie strikers that I love. Um, even Krennic's cape (laughs) looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) I could see myself getting one of these posters. And I mean, as much as I love to like actually watch the movie and root for the rebel heroes, when you're just looking at a poster of it, I'm like, it just doesn't grab me as much visually as, you know, just sort of those stark like blacks and reds and green lights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I've never had a problem rooting for the empire before, but now it's going to be even better because they have that much (laughs) more cooler armor for their troopers. Yeah. So, uh, that's all the new posters and stuff. And then also um, from making Star Wars, they uh, I don't know if they officially released these or leaked them from somewhere, but um, they've got like three new uh, stills from the movie. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, not a whole lot of new stuff here, but it, there's a new shot of Krennic walking down the hall with some death troopers behind him. Um, so if anything, you know, if we even if we don't get to see the death troopers in action much, it seems like at least we'll be seeing them just following Krennic around a lot. And he's being advertised as the main villain. So we've got to see him a lot, right? Yeah, that's your, hopefully wherever Krennic goes, the death troopers are right there beside him. Yeah, every shot. <laughs> I mean, that's what it seems like. So, you know, worst case scenario, they're just cooler looking versions of you know, Imperial uh, Royal Guards. Yeah. <laughs> Who will also um, be in the movie, so. Yeah, Man, there's going to be tons of cool armor everywhere in Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we've got a shot of Jin just kind of sitting in uh, what we can assume is the rebel base on Yavin 4. 
um, cause it looks like there's, you know, like a stone wall and some vines behind her and she's sitting there with the binders on her wrist. So it's, uh, you know, it seems like this is from the beginning of the movie before, uh, she actually enlists with the rebellion and goes on this mission for them. Um, and then last but not least, just another shot of death troopers with something burning in the background that we can probably assume they started burning in the first place <laughs> probably but still looking as cool as, as ever in this shot as well i mean it is kind of similar to other shots we've seen of them on this you know uh grassy meadow playing field here and we've seen shots of that in the trailer but the h1 that comes out even if it looks similar there's still something new and cool about their pose or the way their heads turn just something about it that just makes it look so darn cool so this that picture that last one is now my has or it has been my new phone background for a while so we'll see if this one lasts until the movie comes out until another awesome image of them gets released and that'll take over but for right now this one is my phone background mm-hmm. um yeah so that's you know just some new images and stuff um now this is pretty intriguing um you know we've got the new uh there's a new novel called rogue one catalyst coming out um and this is coming out november 15th um so you know it'll be out in time to be able to read this before the movie comes out um and i'm trying to remember is this is written by james lucino right um yeah yeah who is you know, one of the, at least in my opinion, one of the best authors who's you know written several Star Wars books. Um, you know, going back to, oh, I'm trying to remember what, I think the first book of his I ever read was like, um, it was that Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. Um, okay, yeah. So. And also, well, I think he also wrote Labyrinth of Evil, which was like the novel that basically was like the end of the Clone Wars that tied right into the beginning of revenge of the sith and like the attack on coruscant and stuff um but then of course i think he's probably most famous for writing uh darth plagueis um and then uh also wrote the tarkin novel that came out um once they sort of rebooted the the whole eu canon so uh he's written several great star wars books before and i think the description for this sounds really intriguing as well so i'm just going to go ahead and read this Um, It says, war is tearing the galaxy apart. For years, the Republic and the Separatists have battled across the stars, each building more and more deadly technology in an attempt to win the war. As a member of Chancellor Palpatine's top-secret Death Star project, Orson Krennic is is determined to develop a superweapon before their enemies can. And an old friend of Krennic's, the brilliant scientist Galen Erso, could be the key. Galen's energy-focused research has captured the attention of both Krennic and his foes, making the scientist a crucial pawn in the galactic conflict. But after Krennic rescues Galen, his wife Lyra, and their young daughter Jin from Separatist kidnappers, the Urso family is deeply in Krennic's debt. Krennic then offers Galen an extraordinary opportunity to continue his scientific studies with every resource put utterly at his disposal. While Galen and Lyra believe that his energy research will be used purely in altruistic ways, Krennic has other plans that will finally make the Death Star a reality. Trapped in their benefactor's tightening grip, the Ursos must untangle Krennic's web of deception to save themselves and the galaxy itself. So, I mean, I just think it's really cool to have, you know, a a tie-in novel like this that, I mean, is going to shed so much light on the backstories of some of these characters. Um... 
and I think it's cool that not only do we get to know, you know, Jin and her father and their family and Krennic, but that their histories are so closely linked together and that it goes all the way back to uh, the Clone Wars era, which, I mean, you know, kind of makes sense when you think about it. Like, the story of Rogue One is taking place, you know, what, 17, 18 years probably after Revenge of the Sith. So obviously all these characters who are adults in the movie would have been around uh, during the Clone Wars. Um, but I wasn't really expecting to get any Rogue One material that like took place in the Clone Wars era and then directly tied into Rogue One. So um, it's going to be like best of both worlds here. Because, um, I mean, obviously for me and for a lot of fans, like the Clone Wars is one of, if not my favorite, uh, time period in Star Wars just to, you know, watch and read stories about. Um, and so to get something like taking place in and around that time period, but then have it linked to Rogue One, which is so closely linked to A New Hope and the Death Star and all that, it's just really cool the way all this ties together. And I think if this novel is as good as we all hope it is, I think this could be a really good way to, um, you know, to sort of tighten the continuity, like it, it's going to be one of those things that really, I think, is sort of a bridge between a lot of different elements. Um, and especially with the way that, you know, these days, a lot of people complain that like, oh, all the new, uh, you know, books and comics and stuff, it's all just focused on the original trilogy. And I wish they'd like branch out more. Well, like I said, this one's kind of got a foot in each pond, so to speak. Um, but I just thought that was really intriguing. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you 100% on this. I'm super excited for this book. I mean, I was, of course, going to get it when it came out, like I do for all the novels. But this one's almost like, oh, I just can't wait to read it. Like, hurry up and get here. And I think it's probably going to be a must-read, too, because mm -hmm. not necessarily to understand the movie, you got to read it. But I just think for diehard fans like us, it's just going to add more to when you see the movie. You're going to learn and understand more of the struggle that, Jin is going to go through her father Galen and the relationship with Krennic so it's just going to add so much more to that and like you said it makes perfect sense but I wasn't expecting them to go into the route of their history taking place in the Clone Wars and to me that's just awesome it's just going to be cool to get that story of how Krennic rescued the Urso family and probably with a squad of storm or clone troopers maybe that sparks the start of the death troopers for a special command unit I don't know it could be a little hmm nice origin story for that too but i also think this could lead to an opportunity of somehow uh tying into saw Gerrera and his appearance in the movie and his relationship with jen because we know saw Gerrera fought in the clone wars and maybe um he was involved with their rescue and that's where he first met jen because i said this before when we we're talking about the trailers i think they have an established relationship already i'm talking about jen and saw so maybe i think she's gonna go ask for his help or try to recruit him when they first set off on the mission and cause she knows that uh, obviously he has a history with her and maybe this is where it all began and he was part of that rescue group. So all these possibilities of these cool story aspects that we can get in this novel. And I just can't wait to pick it up. And again, in the description where it says Galen's energy focused research is, you know, is what captured the attention of Krennic and the separatists here. So, I mean, you don't have to, put too much together to try to figure out what that energy focus is going to lead to in regards to the Death Star. So there's so much cool stuff in the synopsis, and I just can't wait to dive into it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we got the Ahsoka book coming out in October, and then we got this in November. It's going to be a great few months just for Star Wars books. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Man, and like you said, yeah, I think this is definitely going to be like a must read. And I, I love how it deals so directly with like the main characters of the movie. I mean, I think yeah. for, you know, because like when, when the force awakens came out and we were all so excited when they announced that there would be a novel taking place in between episodes six and seven. Um, and then we got aftermath, which, you know, like kind of sets up the time period and stuff a little bit, but really deals with a bunch of supporting characters that aren't directly related to the story. And it's just, you know, it's a nice bit of like universe building, but it's not the story that fans were hoping for. Um, and obviously I can understand why they want to play their cards a little closer to the chest when it comes to Luke and Han and Leia and Ben Solo and all that kind of stuff. Like they're not just going to give everything away in one book. Uh, you know, they, they want to keep people, you know, keep people's interest in like what that whole story might've been between, uh, those two movies and be able to milk that for, you know, maybe a potential like animated series or TV series or a whole series of novels or comics or something. But I mean, just, yeah, I, I think when Catalyst was first announced, I was thinking like, oh, it'll probably be about like some of the minor rebel characters that we'll see in the movie or, you know, maybe a squad of rebels that tries to steal the Death Star plans and fails. And then that's where Jin <laughs> and everybody picks up in the movie and like continuing that mission or whatever. I don't know. Like I, I didn't I wasn't expecting this much like juicy information. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I am definitely going to be reading that before the movie comes out. And you know me and my uh, speed of reading Star Wars books. Like, I mean, as much as I love Star Wars. How far are you with that Aftermath right now, Kyle? Uh, I don't <laughs> the first even one. remember. <laughs> I mean, I – yeah, like I'm – at this point, I have no idea when I'm going to finish Aftermath because I still have – I've got Lords of the Sith – uh, life debt or no, not life debt, uh, bloodline and, uh, battlefront twilight company, um, that I'm planning to read all of those before I get back to aftermath. So that's probably not even going to happen. Um, well not to go on a whole aftermath and life debt tangent here, but definitely read all those books you just mentioned before you start. Aftermath. I'll just <laughs> well, <say> that. <laughs> and even if I were to start right now and finish all of those books like in a timely fashion, then like you said, you've got the Ahsoka book coming out and then uh catalyst in November. And then when's the Thrawn book coming out? That's that's I want to say April of next year. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, that's probably a little bit further out, but um man. Yeah. I, at least I'm excited that, you know, there's more, more books coming out that I'm excited about and not just, uh, you know, stuff related to, you know, again, the original trilogy time period or, um, you know, more aftermath sequels or whatever. So, um, yeah, you know, Ahsoka, Thrawn, this catalyst, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yes, give me more of this. Definitely. Yeah. I hope this kind of, I don't want to set the trend for future books, but hopefully more of Often than not, we'll get more books like this where it's more about the familiar characters for the movie they're actually trying to tie it in with. Yeah. Um, and then, so last thing we've got to talk about with, well, I guess kind of second to last thing, but uh, last Rogue One related uh, news item. This was uh, a rumor from uh, Making Star Wars that just came out today. 
Um, but they're talking about uh, just kind of speculating about when we might see the final trailer for Rogue One. Um, and they were talking about um, you know some various reports that pointed to sometime in October, um, which is crazy to think about for me because, you know, I mean, especially after how long we had to wait in between trailers for The Force Awakens, um, you know, I mean, it seems like we just got that last Rogue One trailer, even though it was in... Well, it was in August, so it was, you know, last month. Um, I think it was It was kind of more towards the beginning of August, wasn't it? It was like... Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's been over a month since we got that, but still, like, I don't need a new one yet. Um, but then they also said, um, you know, there was a report that apparently there was this, uh, like, a convention or something in Russia um, called Kino Expo International, um, and apparently, you know, like the, the Disney portion, uh, or the, the, like Disney's company in Russia or whatever, or their, their Russian, I don't know, the, the Disney Russian embassy, if you want to call it, um, was at that expo and announced that, uh, there would be a, a new Rogue One trailer coming with Dr. Strange in, uh, which opens November 4th. So, uh, I mean, that's not surprising at all, um, given that, you know, obviously Marvel and Lucasfilm are both owned by Disney and they'd want to have some cross promotion there. And that's uh, a little over a month or yeah, a little over a month before uh, Rogue One comes out. But then they're also talking about how um, even though that might be the first movie to run the trailer theatrically before it, that um, it still might be released online or on TV uh, sometime in October. So I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, I don't need like like I'm not itching for another trailer yet um so if it does come out in october i'm kind of hoping it's toward the end of october um and also i mean even though every pretty much every movie trailer nowadays gets released online before you know it debuts with a movie or something like that but it would be kind of nice to see it on the big screen for the first time you know what i mean um (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I if they avoid it yourself. But. Yeah, no. I, well, that's what I'm saying is if they release it online ahead of time, obviously I'm going to watch it. Like I'm not going to be able to stay away from it, and you know, I, I almost feel like I would being a, be doing a bad job of, uh, you know, being a podcaster if we didn't like jump right on top of it and be able to, uh, you know, talk about it like the night of or the day after it comes out or something like that. Um, but, you know, I'm just saying if it released online like the same day that Doctor Strange came out, I would just wait to go see it in the movie theater because that would be awesome to see it, you know, on a screen on the, the big screen for the first time. But, yeah, that never Yeah, but then happened. you can't automatically go back and watch it again and frame by frame. You got to wait till the movie's over. <laughs> it's true. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's an awesome experience seeing that on the big screen. For, I mean, like when we were at Celebration and got to see the uh you know, the trailer for The Force Awakens. Yeah. Like, there's just nothing like it. Especially being in a, a big packed room full of people who are all as excited about nerdy stuff as you are. Um, you know, even though it's Doctor Strange, like, you know there's going to be a bunch of Star Wars fans in there and people who just love Marvel and Star Wars and Disney and movies in general. Um, yeah, so that would be a lot of fun. Although I'm sure that even if we've all seen the trailer a bunch of times online ahead of time, there's still going to be a bunch of cheers in the theater when it uh, plays there. So, Yeah, there is a special feeling of seeing it on the big screen for the first time, too, no matter how much you saw it on 
your computer screen or on your phone or whatnot. So you'll still get some type of like new excitement for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it all just—it's not too surprising that. But at the same time, it's, it's just expected because I think it's just more hard to believe that we're just this close to Rogue One now. I mean, because when else are they going to release a trailer? <laughs> so The Force Awakens came out in October, and I mean, just the whole release schedule for Rogue One's trailers have been totally different from The Force Awakens. So I can't just rely on that, assuming that it will be in October. But it does make sense because no, Doctor Strange comes out in early November, and like you said. Most of the times they release the trailer online a few days beforehand or even a week before for some movies. So I'm thinking more than likely it will be October. And yeah, just, I mean, we're in the last few days of September. So we're going to have another new Star Wars trailer in probably just a few short weeks. Just crazy. And then the movie's going to be here. So it seems like we're just coming off of the second trailer, which is true. But. At the same time, when else are they going to release another trailer? So it's just, you know, <laughs> time flying by and I'll, I'll eat up the new trailer like I'm sure every other Star Wars fan will once it comes out. So it's just strange that we're just going to get another one so close when mm. <laughs> we just, we're coming off of the second awesome trailer. So it just makes me wonder how much new stuff is going to be in this trailer. I kind of have a feeling where it's not going to be completely different like the second from the first one is. It's probably going to be a good combination of stuff we've seen before and maybe not as much new footage as maybe we would have gotten if we didn't get uh, these three trailers so close together. So we'll see. But then again, we might get another international trailer for this new one also, which will have other new footage. So (laughs) we might be getting two more in the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it is... You know, like you said, it's it's weird that it's so close together, but at the same time, if they were to release it like that first week in November, um, you know, like a few days before Doctor Strange comes out, it's like that is kind of a while after the last one came out in August, but it's just weird to be talking about it already, like, yeah. you know, when we're sort of right in between. Um, it's like, it's not like we're getting the new trailer right now, but just to be, you know, thinking about it and talking about it already, it's like, man, we just got the last one, didn't we? Yeah, especially after last year with The Force Awakens out, something like forever from April to <laughs> yeah. October. Like, when are we getting this thing? Come on, we just had Force Friday. We're, we're in the middle of fall. The movie's coming out in December. Where are we getting this trailer? So that's a totally different scenario this time around. It's just funny how to think how much could change in just a year's time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, like you said, whenever it does come out, we will eat that up and dissect it every which way and, you know, get all excited about it all over again. So, uh, can't wait for that. Um, and then, so that's pretty much it for Rogue One. Um, and then, you know, as far as the other movies go, there hasn't really been much news on like episode eight or the Han Solo film or anything like that. Um, Adam Driver did do a new interview with Collider.com recently, um, just sort of talking, you know, talking about episode eight, but it's still just the little bit that he can talk about at this point. And they're talking about um, just sort of how the tone of the movie is different from episode seven and what it's like working with Ryan Johnson compared to J.J. Abrams and what the script is like and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, not really any big new information there or anything, but if you guys are interested in checking that out, um, you know, again, we've got the links to that up on our pages and that's over at uh, collider.com as well. So you can go ahead and check that out. It's a pretty interesting read. Um, you know, if you're interested in just sort of the behind the scenes process and what goes into making these movies, you know, it's a nice little tidbit, but not really anything big and exciting there as far as 
anything we didn't already know about, you know, what's going to happen in this movie or who's going to be in it or anything like that. Um, yeah. so I was just going to add real quick that it's just everything uh, Adam Driver said in this interview regarding the tone of it is exactly what I wanted to hear <laughs> for as far as how it's going to be different from episode seven, even compared it to Empire Strikes Back. Not necessarily saying, you know, it's going to be darker like Empire, but just that, you know, it's different from how A New Hope was. And this is how episode eight is going to be for uh, compared to episode seven, which we kind of all knew going in. But it's just good to hear that <laughs> reinforced again. It is how he's feeling like even more so he has to up his game for this performance. So just stuff to get you excited more for the movie when, you know, we're still like getting uh, got to make it through 2016 and get to 2017 before we start getting into the episode eight hype. But little stuff in there to get you excited about for uh, the feel of the movie at least is going to be. So it's definitely a cool read to check out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, you know, like I said, can kind of still get you hyped just thinking about it. And, uh, like, you know, I, I totally agree that like what he's talking about in terms of tone and stuff is, um, you know, sounds really good. Um, especially, yeah, I like that he says, um, that it, <clears throat> it is sort of like Empire Strikes Back, but just in the way that it's different, not that, oh, it's, you know, darker. Although I, we have heard from other actors that it is going to be pretty dark in tone. Um, but just in a way that like, it's a continuation of the story, but has its own different style to it. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what that is. And as we've said before, you know, I'm hoping that they go in somewhat of a more new direction with this one. Um, you know, I don't want it to like deviate too far from the force awakens, but at the same time, something that establishes its own tone and feel a little bit and is not trying to just cling so closely to what the original trilogy did well um you know I, I would like to see them just sort of branch out a little bit more like that yeah definitely and like like i said before his quotes in this interview kind of kind of made me think that too that that is the way they're gonna go yeah for sure um well we have reached the point in the episode where we get to talk about star wars battlefront um as we said, the Death Star DLC expansion came out uh, just last week, I guess. Um, yeah, it's been a week now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I, I've lost track of time just trying to blow up the Death Star. So, um, <laughs> man, so, well, uh, Tim, I'll let you go first. Just general impressions of, uh, of this Death Star expansion content. Yeah, well, I made it no secret that out of all the DLC content that was announced, this was the one... I was most looking forward to, I mean, just uh, experience fighter squadron out in space over the Death Star, fighting the Death Star. But then when they announced that new mode battle station, that got me really excited for it because being able to do uh, one mode where you're out in space flying in ships and then you have to go in the Death Star and do an extraction mission. And then you actually have to make the trench run if you're on the rebel side <laughs> to blow up the Death Star. It just sounded like a really fun mode to play and kind of harkened back to a little bit of how some Battlefront 2 matches were where you're out in space and then you dock into a spaceship. And while it's not quite like how Battlefront 2 was, I have to say it lived up to my expectation. I love this <laughs> DLC content just from the way it, it looks with having the Death Star be an actual map and playing Fighter Squadron out on the Death Star. And then even the map, and that's part of the Battle Station mode where you're fighting outside of an asteroid field, which looks to be Geonosis in the background over a Star Destroyer. It just looks so cool, and that mode is definitely a fun one. It might be my new favorite Battlefront mode to play because it just 
the, it's a good length where you know you have to complete a lot of objectives. And like I said, there's variety in it with flying in space, doing an extraction of an astromech droid, which they don't say it's R2, but come on, it looks just like R2. It is. It has to be R2. So each aspect of that mode is just so much fun. And the only downside, I guess, is if um, you don't make it past the first round where you have to destroy the Star Destroyer and you can't do the rest of the <laughs> modes in that match. So that could be a little disappointing. But when you get to do all three, man, it's so much fun. I just have a blast playing on it. And, and there's even cool little aspects of it, too, where uh, in the extraction portion where you have to rescue R2, if you're a player who like activates R2 to uh, escort him back into the extraction point, you can actually be R2. I remember you were the first one who got to do that, Kyle, when we were playing for the first time. You're like, guys, <laughs> I'm playing as R2-D2 right now. I'm <laughs> like, what? And then while I played another time, I actually got to be inside it, and I made it all the way through to the extraction point, which, which was fun because it's not just where you get to be around driving as R2, but he has different weapons at his disposal. He got his smoke to blind people. He has a, a radar you know, to make everyone vis- the enemies visible on the screen. He has like a shock move that can damage enemies. So it is fun to play him. When I got to actually take control of him, I got to do some damage to some enemies. I got to make my escape. It was really fun. I, now I know how Gascon felt when he was in his... Uh, <laughs> road, <so. laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little Clone Wars uh, content in there for you. <laughs> in <the game. laughs> you but would yeah. find a way to bring him into this. Of course. <laughs> But no, I loved it. It was so much fun. So there's only three modes in it. You got Blast, the new Battle Station, and Fighter Squadron. But I'm not really complaining too much. I love Blast. It's no secret. You and me love Fighter Squadron. Now we get to play it over the Death Star. And this new Battle Station mode is so much fun. So the Death Star DLC was everything I was hoping it would be. It looks great. It's really fun to play. And there's great variety in that Battle Station, Matt. I just love it. Yeah, man, it is... I'm having a lot of fun with it, it, which I was, I mean, I shouldn't say I'm surprised by, but I was a little bit concerned at first over sort of the lack of, you know, just number of maps and modes and stuff in this. Yeah. You got as, me worried a little bit too. And you were telling me, it's like, yeah, as opposed, why you say that? <laughs> as opposed to some of the other ones. Um, because even though it does have multiple modes, it's still just the battle station, the blast and the fighter squadron. Um, and it's, just sort of like two well it's two new space maps and then three maps inside the death star um but it i don't know it doesn't feel like quite as much you know like as many maps as some of the other ones just because you know there's not as much there's not as much visual variety i guess in the maps themselves um sometimes i forget what map i'm playing on just like on blast or whatever like there's three different you know death star maps and i still have yet to be able to really tell all three of them apart um I just know because there's I know there's one that's called like power sector, one that's called defense sector. And I forget what the third one is, but the power sector is the one that has like the tractor beams where, you know, Obi-Wan like shuts the uh, the generators down in a new hope. So I can easily recognize that, obviously. Um, And there are some other recognizable areas in there, like the uh, the trash compactor that you can run through. That's kind of a neat little Easter egg. And then there's uh, like the detention area and stuff like that. Um, have you made it to the, oh yeah, the trash compactor part where, cause I was just 
heard that there's actually Dianoga that pops up in there. I haven't seen. That's that what yet. I heard. I haven't <laughs> seen it. Um, I have seen the Dianoga that's in the Outer Rim DLC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I haven't seen the one in the Death Star yet. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it looks great. Those maps are fun to play at, uh, play in. Um, it's de- definitely makes for some chaotic matches because it's just a lot of, uh, you know, opening doors and, and long hallways and it's very sort of cramped tight quarters. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of room for like sniping or flying around with a jetpack or anything like that. Um, it's very just sort of confined and up close and personal. I know you got to be careful because the doors, you don't know which door is going to open sometimes. You just walk by and you just, there could be an enemy right there. And you just yeah. got <laughs> killed right there. So you got to be alert, like no matter where you turn in that map. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so I mean, like I said, that was an initial concern for me, but I've just had so much fun playing it lately that I'm like, I don't even care. Um, like you said, the, the flying around out in space is just, is so cool. Um, and the visuals, I mean, the, (laughs) the first time we were playing it and I don't remember if you were on there with us at first or if it was just me and Paul and you joined later, but the first time that we did like fighter squadron over the surface of the death star, I was just freaking out. Um, We were all there. Yeah. I (laughs) was was like, guys, this looks gorgeous. Um, (laughs) and when you found the, you know, the reactor core for the death star for return of the Jedi for the first time. (laughs) Oh my gosh, dude. Like. Yeah, because obviously we knew the trench run was going to be in it. But then the thing you realize, I mean, you can do this when you're playing fighter squadron. You can just sort of fly around and explore. Or when you're doing trench run, you have to like hit the checkpoints as you're going down the trench. And it actually does take you to some like inside the Death Star at some points. Um, Obviously, they've expanded on this a little bit more than what you see in A New Hope. It's not just a straight line that you fly down and try to get to the end. Um, It's almost sort of more like a maze of... Uh, or at least a grid like of trenches laid out over the surface of the Death Star. But as you fly down, you know, there's there's obstacles. There are points where it'll end and you just have to sort of fly over a wall and then go back into it. Um, but then there are also points where it goes, you know, sort of down inside the Death Star. And it's not like you're flying right to the core. Um, but it's just you go under the surface of it and you're kind of flying through tunnels and stuff. And there are, even though it's supposed to be the first Death Star, there are a couple of of just pieces of scenery that are taken right out of the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi. And it's just, man, the first time I saw that, I was like, holy crap, this looks awesome. <laughs> um, and so it's just those cool little, I wouldn't even call them Easter eggs because they're not that hard to find, but uh, almost little like fan service moments, just those those bits of of recognizable scenery and stuff or even you know like i said certain rooms in the death star and things like that that make you go oh man i remember this like it's not particularly important or anything but it's just visually recognizable and makes it feel like you're there in that battle um so yeah just visually i think they did an awesome job recreating it um, and like you said, there's the two space maps, there's the one over the surface of the Death Star, and then there's the one where you're sort of out in the asteroid field around Geonosis, um, fighting around a Star Destroyer, and then there are a couple more Star Destroyers behind it, and, uh, some rebel, rebel capital ships off in the background, and they're, you know, trading cannon fire back and forth, and so, I mean, it really makes you feel like you're in the middle of a big space battle, um, just so cool. I'm I'm so happy with this, just that we get to fly in space, that the visuals of it look awesome. Um, and then as for the battle station mode itself, um, 
yeah, man, I, I love the, just the progression of those modes. Um, the, you know, so in that first mode, you just trying to take out TIE fighters and take out the Star Destroyer. It's, it's almost like Walker assault in space. Um, in a yeah. way, you don't, I mean, you don't have to defend uplinks. You just have to kill tie fighters. And then it's like, once you take out 10 tie fighters, then, uh, Y wing bombers come in, but it's sort of the same as, um, Walker assault where you've got like the little Y wing counters up at the top. And then as they start to go away, it's like, that's just sort of your timer of how much time you have left to attack the critical systems on the star destroyer. And then once you take those out, then you finally go after the bridge. Um, and then every time the time runs out and the Y wings go away, you got to kill 10 more TIE fighters. And so, um, it was, it was really frustrating that first night that we played it because we just got bad luck and we're on some really bad teams that could not make it past that first phase. And I was getting so frustrated. Yeah. We wanted um, to blow up that, that star the first night, but couldn't get past yeah. that star destroyer. Uh. Yeah. But I mean, obviously throughout the weekend and then this week I've played it a lot more and gotten to be on some teams that have blown up the death star. So I've gotten to experience the whole thing. Then, the, you know, like you said, so uh, once you take out the Star Destroyer, you the rebel troops go and land in the hangar. You've got to extract R2-D2 because he's got some, you know, intel or whatever. Um, and again, like I said, it's just a lot of fun playing, you know, crazy shootouts in those those tight quarters and the, the maze of hallways and everything. Um, playing as R2-D2 is really cool. I have gotten a chance to try out both uh chewy and bosk the two new heroes didn't really get to do much with bosk and i haven't really figured out his uh his abilities yet um because i know he's got like this micro grenade launcher that can just shoot a bunch of grenades and i was like shooting them one at a time but i've seen other people shoot a volley of like 10 grenades and i'm like i obviously wasn't pulling the trigger enough or something um but Chewie's a lot of fun to play as, and then yeah, like you said, getting to actually control, like getting to control R two D two is just really cool. Um, but man, I've had some crazy intense matches in that, you know, just that phase of the mode where because you the rebels have like ten minutes to first you have to like make your way to the other side of the map. It's like you start in the hangar, you got to get into the detention area, take control of R two, and then get him back out to the extraction point at the hangar. Um, and I've had matches where the rebels get in, get R2, get out to like the door of the hangar within the first couple minutes of the match. And then the whole rest of the match, it's just like this crazy (laughs) free for all with grenades flying and people trying to jump in with jetpacks and shields and just this absolute slaughter as the rebels are trying to get R2 like that last 10 feet to the extraction point. And I've had it where they weren't able to make it because, you know, they beat the Imperials like getting through the map and back, but then the, the empire's just able to hold that last little point. Um, so yeah, just, I mean, there's a lot of room for, you know, some fun back and forth on that. Plus you can have, I think like three or four heroes on each team on the map at, at the same time, potentially. Um, usually you don't have that many because they get, you know, like somebody will spawn as one and they'll get killed before somebody else finds the next hero power up. But I have seen, you know, two or three heroes on a team at at, at a time. So that makes for, uh, you know, some fun, crazy situations too. Um and then, of course, you you finally get R2 to the hangar, you get out, and you get to make the Death Star Trench run, which I was wondering how they were going to do that. Um, 
I was like, is the exhaust port just going to be like hidden on the map somewhere and the rebels got to try to find it or, you know, what's the deal? There's going to be a ton to, tons of fighters in that one single trench all trying to make their way to blow up the rebels and like are crashing into each other and all that. Like, I don't think they'd go that route, but I was thinking, well, how much they could do if they really want to make it like the movies. You would just be going this one down the single trench with all these fighters, but yeah, they created well, a pretty clever way, I think, to make it fun and different. Yeah, definitely. And I figured it wouldn't just be one long trench. Like I kind of figured they would do kind of how they did it in the end, where it's more, you know, like they expanded it a little bit. It's not just one long trench, but it's more sort of like a maze or a grid that you have to find your way through. But again, I thought maybe the exhaust port would just be hidden in there, and the rebels just have to, you know, find where it is. Um, which, I, you know, obviously wouldn't really work because once you find it once, then you just make a beeline straight forward the next time you play. But I was like, how are they going to do this? I don't know. But they actually did a really clever system, I think, where um, you basically, like, you know where the, the exhaust port is. It's at the very end, but you have to make your way through the entire trench first. And there's, uh, like, a system of checkpoints that you have to hit. Um, and there's probably like 10 or 12 or something like that, uh, checkpoints that you have to get through as the rebels, but also, um, like not just anybody can do it. It randomly picks three people at a time as like the squad that's got to go in and make the trench run, which again is really clever because a, it makes it fair. So, you know, you can't have the entire rebel team at once, like swarming the, the exhaust port, but all, at the same time, it makes it feel like the movie too. Exactly. Um, yep. You get paired up with two random strangers that you've never played with before. And suddenly it's like, all right, this is my squad. These are my wingman, my, my wingmen, like, red five we're going in let's do this um and i've actually so i've gotten to to make that trench run at least a couple of times now um and man it's just it's so much fun feeling like all right like it's my turn i'm the one that's gotta you know go in and do this um and at the same time it's also fun to be you know one of the guys that's not selected and just stay back and protect those guys and uh you know be the one that's like, all right, everybody pull back and cover me, you know, like uh, Poe when he's going into Starkiller base, like, all right, I'll be the one to shoot down all these TIE fighters that are going after you, and I've gotten a bunch of kills that way, too. Um, haven't actually gotten to make it all the way to the end and blow up the Death Star, and you don't have to make it all in one run, like, you know, if, if all three of the fighters get shot down, then it just picks the next three people on the team that get to make the run, and, you know, the whole match lasts, like, ten minutes, um, so obviously you have ample opportunity, um, to try to get all the way through, but sometimes like those, cause I think if you make it to the last one or two checkpoints and then everybody gets wiped out, it always resets so that you have to get like the last three again. Um, because otherwise, like if they made it to the last one, it would be pretty easy for everybody to just swarm the exhaust point until they blow it up. But, um, you know, so that last part of the run can be kind of tricky, um, and like I said, I've, I've never actually been able to be the one that blows up the Death Star, but I've been one of the ones picked right off the bat and made it through maybe about half the checkpoints on my own. Um, I haven't gotten to half. I got maybe to two or three at the most when I start right away, then I get shot down. <laughs> yeah, I think I've made it to maybe... I, I know I've definitely made at least three, but I feel like maybe four or five. Um, but... I think like I've, I've seen people do some pretty good strategy too, where, you know, I'll die and then I'll see that we've got like over half of the checkpoints. And I think, you know, sometimes one of the other people who gets picked might be like hanging back 
And so instead of like following me in and we both get shot down, it's like they just let me make it as far as I can go. I get shot down and then they just pick up from where I left off and hit the next set of checkpoints. Um, so uh, again, it's fun to, uh, you know, even though you're not in a party with these people or, or teaming up with them or anything like that, it's like suddenly like these are your comrades and these are your, your squad that you got to take down the Death Star with and kind of, you know, feel like you're working together that way. So I think yeah, that's the next thing we'd have to try to experience where like Yumi and Paul are chosen at the same time to make the trench run. Cause that'd be a blast. That <laughs> like, would be the greatest thing ever. Like, I mean, it's random. So we'd have to play a lot together for that to, yeah. be able to happen. <laughs> um, and unfortunately I think, I don't think all three of us have been able to play together since that first night it came out. Cause I, I feel like I've played with you and I've played with Paul, but you know, when you're, adults with you know real life stuff going on like obviously we all get time to play but it's hard to uh you know coordinate it where we all three get a bunch of time to play together but um of course it's mostly your fault tim because every time I paul know. and i get on you're like i'm working late for the 10th day in a row and uh you know i know it's been like the worst week to be slammed with work stuff when <laughs> the new dlc came out like i get on like at 11 30 and you guys are just getting off yeah <laughs> like uh Nah, it's all good. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll get plenty more chances to to play together. But man, yeah, if we all ever did just get randomly picked, the three of us to go in together, that would be the bomb. Yep. Yeah, I, that's like let's love about this DLC and just a lot of stuff in the game in general. But it just continues with the Death Star DLC, where it, you just harken back to those iconic moments, and in this case, from a New Hope, where I we talked about it many times too when we first got the game how when you're playing fighter squadron, you're in the atmosphere of a planet. And it looks just like that shot in the force awakens where the X wing shooting down the tie fighter. And I got that same feeling in this new death star DLC where it's like uh, wedge trailing that tie fighter. Who's on Luke's tail. And you just see those great shots of the X wing following the tie fighter. And I have plenty of instances of playing the new death star DLC, whether it's fighter squadron on battle station, where it looks like, the same thing, the same shots you see in A New Hope, like in that sequence with Luke and Wedge. Just stuff like that's cool. You get to, you have firefights in the detention center and the cell blocks, like Han and Luke did with the stormtroopers. That when in the battle station or blast, you're shooting out in that area. It harkens back to that scene from A New Hope. And we were even joking about it too. Well, when we were doing the first mode of battle station where we have to destroy the Death Star, I mean the Star Destroyer. We're like, can't we just be that A-wing pilot and just crash into the bridge of the Star Destroyer <laughs> yeah. and just scream our heads off <laughs> and take it down? So, just fun, cool stuff like that that makes you feel like you're living the movie, which we know is the goal that Dice and EA had with this game. And like I said, it continues on with this DLC. So many cool callbacks. It's just so much fun to play through. Yeah, it's like their their sort of catchphrase or whatever. Um, for this game was, you know, live, live out your Star Wars battle fantasies. Yeah. And, uh, I think this is one of the, the times where they definitely nailed it. Um, I will say my only complaint about the, uh, you know, the fighter squadron and the, um, the battle station is, I mean, it, this is sort of a, something I like, but that's also a complaint is they've got these new power ups that you can pick up, um, that will spawn an AI wingman with you. Um, so yeah. you, you can still only fly an X-Wing or an A-Wing or uh, just a, a regular TIE fighter or a TIE interceptor. 
But then you can pick up these power-ups that will spawn a, uh, a Y-Wing or a B-Wing that will just follow you around and, and shoot at enemies for you. Um, and so I think that's awesome. You know, it's cool to see new ships flying around in the battle. And it's cool that, um, you know, this is almost like the space version of getting like an auto turret or a probe droid or something like that. Um, my only complaint is that these things are way too powerful. Like, you'll just be flying around out there as a TIE fighter and see a B-Wing flying towards you and be like, you know, maybe I should shoot it down. Actually, you know what? It's flying right at me. Let me just get out of the way. Boom, boom, <laughs> two shots, you're dead. And it's like, man, I got no warning. I think part of it is because it's AI. It doesn't like warn you when, when, uh, cause you know, you usually get a warning when somebody's locking onto you. Uh, yeah. and with the AI ships, it doesn't tell you that. But then once they're locked onto you, like I said, I mean, it really doesn't matter cause like, two or three shots and you're gone. Like you don't get to roll or dodge or flip out of the way or try to shoot back. Like if they get locked onto you, you're dead. Um, and so I love the idea of having those AI ships in there, but I think they need to be powered down just a bit. And the um, only other complaint I have about that is why can't we actually fly in those ships? They're there. Yeah. <laughs> just make an option so that we could actually be in a B wing or a Y wing. That would definitely be cool. I wonder if, you know, there's, I mean, I'm sure they probably would just have a lot of balancing issues to work out. Um, obviously, the bigger ships are going to be easier to hit, and therefore, you know, you're going to die more in a B-Wing probably, um, unless they compensated for that by giving it more firepower, in which case somebody who's a really good pilot could just, like, tear through the enemy team, and that would kind of be unfair. So, I don't know. I mean, I can kind of see why they didn't suddenly want to add, like, four new ships to the game because you got um you know y wings and b wings on the rebel side and then the imperials get tie bombers and tie defenders which i thought was cool um because those aren't actually i mean they're definitely not in the movies and i don't think they're anywhere in the official canon um but they're those um the tie fighters i think from s some of the old uh the older games like I think I'm sure they're probably in like the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and like Rebel Assault and some of those games from back in the 90s. Um, yeah, it reminded me of the ones from Rebel Assault 2, but I don't think they are them. They just look pretty similar. Oh, no, you know what? Rebel Assault 2 had the TIE Phantom. It's like a TIE Interceptor, but it's got three wings that just all like face forward. But the TIE Defender has three wings that kind of... The best way I can describe it is that they all stick out from the body like an, an umbrella that gets blown inside out in a storm. You know what I mean? It's like it's yeah, got it's the good. like the fin sticking out and then the actual like surface of the wing kind of angles upward from the ship itself. Um, but still, it's it's cool to just see stuff from the, uh, you know, the expanded universe and from other video games making its way into here. Um, cause also we didn't mention like with the new, uh, the new weapons and star cards and stuff that they added, um, are pretty much all callbacks to other video games as well. Cause you've got the new, uh, medical droid that you can dispense, um, from a star card. And that's, I mean, obviously it's, you know, a, a droid from the movies as well, but it's the one that was used as a healing droid in the original Star Wars Battlefront games. <laughs> um, and then you've got the the laser trip mine and the heavy repeater that are from the Jedi Knight games. Um, and man, I don't know if you've unlocked that heavy repeater yet, but that thing is killer. And I think I just did, but I haven't used it too much. Yet, it but. is so much fun. And like everybody's using it now. Um, 
And, and I've got can... killed plenty of times with that trip mine, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, see, I don't, I don't, I can't remember if I've gotten killed by it yet. I know it's hard for me to get kills with it because, you know, obviously it leaves a, a laser that sticks out and people usually just don't walk through it. Um, I did plenty of times when we first played. I was like, oh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and then they've also got a new pistol in there too, which I think is supposed to be based off of like Kyle Katarn's pistol from those Jedi Knight games. I haven't unlocked that yet, um, but I know it's kind of similar to the heavy repeater where they have like their basic fire mode, but then instead of zooming in, um, you pull the left trigger and it charges up like a secondary shot that fires like an explosive blast. Um, and so that's been a lot of fun to play with. Um, and so again, you know, having new maps to play on and, you know, being able to use new weapons and new tactics and stuff, because then they also switched up. They actually changed a lot of small things in, in this mode. Um, like the traits that you equip on your character, they redid all of those, um, so that they give different perks and stuff. Now they kind of just reworked the way that that all works. Um, and I think, you know, I, I like that. I'm okay with it. I don't know that it's necessarily better or worse than it was before, but there's nothing there that made me go like, oh, man, come on, they changed that. Um, I think all of it, it's kind of simplified. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of simplified the way it works a little bit and, you know, maybe made it, they, they definitely made a couple of them that were overpowered, made them more fair and balanced. Um so it's been kind of fun, you know, just playing around with those and and getting to use new weapons and stuff. And then also with some of the ships, they have new power-ups uh, or new abilities, I mean. Because, um, like, A-Wings used to have shields, but now they've got speed, got a speed boost, which I think makes more sense for an A-Wing. Um, although sometimes I miss having that shield when I'm getting shot at. But, <laughs> uh, you know, when I die and then respawn and I'm trying to make my way back to the Star Destroyer to get some more damage in before the, the Y-Wing bombing run is over, I always pick an A-Wing because I can use the speed boost and get there quicker. Yep. <laughs> um, and then also the TIE Interceptor yeah. uh, no longer has <laughs> missiles, but instead they added this laser barrage uh, which I think makes you just either makes your lasers do more damage or makes your, your, uh, weapon not overheat. Um, I mean, it's still, I'm still getting used to it. I'm still not exactly sure how it works, but I do kind of like the idea there. Um, I mean, I think more than anything, I just don't like it because I'm used to having the miss the, the missiles and I'll be, you know, locked onto somebody. I'll be trying to shoot them down with my lasers and then I'll be like, okay, I've got a lock. I'll just press the right button and it'll shoot a missile and it'll uh, go hit them and they'll be dead. Right. And then I'm like, I hit my button and nothing happened. And in those couple seconds that I stopped shooting, I'm like, Oh, right. I got to start shooting again and they <laughs> get away or somebody else kills them first or whatever. Um, yeah. I still miss the missile. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it takes some getting used to, but I do like that. They just kind of switched it up a bit that the, you know, now there's um, more of a difference between the X wing and the a wing and the tie fighter and the tie interceptor that it's not just, the the size and the speed of the ship but they also have different abilities as well so um i don't mind that I, and like i said even though it is kind of a small number of maps and game modes um just between the new stuff that is there and getting to play with you know the new weapons and new abilities and stuff it's it's a lot of fun and i want to say almost surprisingly so um i mean obviously the battle station is as much fun as I hoped it would be. And I could just play that all day. Um, 
But then even, you know, when I'm just sitting there on the playlist and going through, you know, Blast and Fighter Squadron and stuff, it's like, I, I am kind of surprised sometimes with how much fun I'm having with it. Because again, just, you know, the fact that it's kind of just replaying the same three game modes over and over and that all the Death Star maps on the interior kind of look the same. I'm like, okay, this is kind of just more of the same, but I just want to keep playing it because it's fun and I'm you know, okay with it being more of the same. I mean, as long as you know, the, the gameplay is fun. And as long as I'm having good matches in there and, you know, of course the promise of getting to blow up the death star again is always a good reason to just keep going. Um, so yeah, how can that get old blowing up the death star? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm loving it. And at least, you know, even if it does start getting old, I'm like, I'm sure it'll keep me hooked until I at least one day get the chance to, you know, make the final part of that trench run and try to be the one that actually blows up the death star. Yeah, you know what? I forgot to mention the other most important part of this update. Finally, no more stormtroopers without their helmets. They oh yes, took that away. Thank goodness. <laughs> yes, yeah, they made some updates to the customization as well. So um, they did add some new stormtrooper models that have you know different colored pauldrons and things. Um, so the Imperials can still pick from some different. Uh, uniforms but no more stormtroopers with their helmets off uh and then they also added um you know a couple new outfits on each side that you can unlock and i've already got the rebel pilot outfit so i am very happy with that and i still got a long ways to go but (laughs) (laughs) i'm still trying to make it to level 70 well yeah you gotta hurry up tim because you know that row one scarif DLC oh, is coming by the end of the year. And I mean, they raised the level cap from 70 to 90 in this update. So obviously we've all got a long ways to go there. <laughs> but then when Rogue One comes out, you know, they're probably, I would think they'll probably just raise it to 100 because it seems weird to yeah. raise it to 110. But you know what's waiting for you at level 100. I know. I mean, if anything's going to get me to buckle down, level up quicker, it's going to be the Death Trooper armor. So exactly. Hopefully we get more uh, bonus point weekends uh, now through that release because yeah. that will help me out. Yeah, well, I mean, if not between now and then, we'll definitely you know get one uh, when that DLC comes out, just like we did for this one. But yeah. sometimes they do it for holiday weekends and stuff too. So, I, you know, we might get one for Veterans Day or, you know, I'm sure probably over like the Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, probably. Um, that stuff yeah. always helps. I know it's kind of hard to believe too. We're just talking about you know we're getting closer to Rogue One coming out. We're on we're gonna be on our last Star Wars Battlefront DLC this December, and then we just gotta wait till Battlefront two. But exactly, which is coming out next year. So you know, man, it's crazy. Like I'm already gonna be looking forward to that. Um, I know. I mean, we should be start hearing stuff on that at least definitely by E3 and next year, but hopefully beforehand, like getting a little taste of what we can expect in the sequel. Yeah. Like, I mean, once, I mean, yeah, obviously the rogue one DLC will keep us entertained for a while, but you know, once the calendar rolls over to next year, I'm just going to be like, is it E3 yet? <laughs> um, I know that should be, geez. not just I, for battlefront two, but for the other star Wars games too, which is yeah. pretty good. One. Yeah, for sure. But I do have to say, I'm glad that, all the Battlefront DLC is coming out this year because then, you know, we get the time to to play it, enjoy it, you know, get get our fill of Battlefront, and then next year completely lose ourselves in Mass Effect Andromeda before Battlefront 2 comes out. At least yep. that's my plan. Uh, I got some other big games coming out, too. <laughs> it's going to be even at my time, so... At least on the gaming front, I'll have plenty to keep me busy. Yeah. Um... 
but man, you know, just like with the movies, it's like we're about to get into this exciting time period of Star Wars games, too, where, you know, obviously after EA got the license to make Star Wars games, it took a while for them to start rolling around. Um, because, you know, obviously they got to develop these games before they can just release them. Um, but we got Battlefront last year. Um, nothing new this year except just a bunch of the Battlefront DLC. But starting next year, there's going to be a new, you know, big Star Wars gaming title coming out every year for the next few years as well. So that's going to be awesome. Yep. <laughs> it's going to go fit nicely with the movies every year. And I'm sure that was all by accident, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just coincidence. Um, well, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, what's going on on the gaming front. Um, I will say, you know, if, if you're someone who, uh, you know, got Battlefront and played it for a while and then kind of gave up on it or someone who's kind of on the fence about buying the DLCs or whatever, like this one is definitely worth it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's definitely my favorite of the DLC packs and it's probably not as much as you've gotten the Bespin one, but I think it, I'm having more fun with it than I did with Bespin. And I really mm. like Bespin too. It's that one's just gorgeous to look at and fun to play, but just the Death Star stuff is just a blast. So. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, like, even though I talked about before how there's not quite as much content in this one, I think, you know, that can kind of be a negative, but it can also kind of be a positive too, because in, yeah. like, on Bespin, I love that one. And I mean, it might still be a tie for me between those two as far as which one's my favorite, just because the Bestman has so much more content. Um, and I've obviously at this point spent so much more time playing that one. But the Death Star, you know, obviously has made a, an awesome first impression. Um, but with Bestman, because there's so many maps and so many game modes, you know, I have some ones that are my least favorite. Um and we could say the same for the Outer Rim DLC, too. I mean, you remember when we first started playing that, any time we would, like, finish an extraction mode and then it said the next mode was Heroes versus Villains, it's like, yeah. everybody out! <laughs> <laughs> Abandon ship! That's <laughs> um, true, yeah. And it's kind of the same thing on Bespin if you get, you know, like, drop zone on that one labs map where there's just, like, pods raining from the sky and you just got to like collect as many at a time as you I've can only played once so far <laughs> yeah i mean it's not terrible but it's just when you've got that much of a variety of of maps and game modes and stuff you know you're gonna have a lot of fun with it but obviously some things are going to be more fun than others and some things are going to be less fun than others um but with the with the with the um death star dlc it's just like it feels more streamlined like they could have added more, but the stuff that they did put in there is all really good and really fun. And, you know, there's nothing that feels excessive or, you know, I never find myself jumping out like, oh, I don't want to play this match. It does seem like that happens sometimes. Like if you fi if you finish a battle station mode and then go into like blast after that, you can tell some people will jump out because they only want to play battle station or something like that. But, you know, for the most part, it's like, this is just like a quick 10 minute match that won't even last 10 minutes if somebody, you know, hits the top score first. Yeah. Um, and then say, you know, same with fighter squadron, uh, but I've also had times where it'll go like, and, and the battle station always repeats. Like you play it twice in a row so that each side gets to play as the rebels and the empire. And then sometimes it'll go blast and then fighter squadron and then back to battle station. But I've also had it go 
blast and then back to battle station or battle station to fighter squadron and back to battle station. So you, you get a lot of chances to play, um, you know, try to blow up the death star, which is, you know what pretty much everybody is playing it for, but it's like once that battle station match is over, you don't have to wait too long to come back around to it. Exactly. It's not like the modes or, you know, not the ones people usually like to play anyway, like blast and fighter squadron. You could stick around for that just to get to, battle station again like right afterwards so. yeah yeah exactly um so yeah overall uh very positive impressions here um man i only wish like can you imagine you know how much different the reception to this game would have been if all of this awesome dlc content that we've gotten so far if yeah. all <laughs> shipped with the game or even half of it you know like when we f- saw the first trailers for the game and it was like okay yeah so we only get like Tatooine and Sullust and Hoth and Endor, but it all looks really cool and, you know, looks fun. But, you know, if we had also seen like the Death Star and Bespin and Jabba's Palace, like, man, we would have been losing our minds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it definitely would have the backlash it did from those who were disappointed with it if it had all this stuff included right away and then, you know, get other DLC content. Maybe that could have been people were really hoping for all this stuff included in the original game and then get, you know, like different era stuff at DLC, like prequel stuff or force Awakens stuff. And yeah, we're getting rogue one as a final one, but that's still kind of in the same time period. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're probably right. Probably would have been better received and people still sticking around with it, but Hey, we're still sticking around with it. And we're still having a blast playing it. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Not going to get too much complaints from us on that. No, not at all. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, I just can't wait to see what they do with the franchise going forward. And especially, you know, learning the lessons that they've learned, obviously, from, you know, the backlash to the first one. Um, You know, I I can't wait to see them add, you know, more variations of space battles and, you know, definitely more eras. You know, I think the biggest thing that we're probably both hoping for. Um, And, you know, we did see like some brief concept art for the second game. Uh that looks like it's going to involve, um, you know, the first order. So, I mean, I'm wondering if they're still going to incorporate the rebellion and the empire into the next one, or if each game is going to be its own era. Um, cause if the next, you know, if the next game is just resistance versus first order, I could be okay with that. As long as the next one after that is, uh, separatist versus clones, um, which would be a long time to wait for that. But, as long as we get it, I'll be happy. Yeah. Hey, it's a good reason not to get rid of your first Battlefront game also. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Um, yeah, but can't wait to see where they go with that, um, you know, moving forward and, you know, all the other uh, Star Wars games they've got in production as well. Um, like you said, next year E3 should be a really good one to watch. Oh, yes. Um, all right. So that's the gaming stuff. Um, now, last but not least... Uh, let's talk Star Wars Rebels, which just had the season three premiere, uh, Steps into Shadow this past Saturday. Um, Tim, you know, I'll let you go ahead and, uh, go first again. What did you think of the Rebels premiere? Yeah, first of all, it's just great to have Rebels back. I mean, it didn't seem as long as the wait as I think it was for, uh, season two to get going, probably because, you know, we saw that celebration, then they aired the season Lothal in June, then we still had to wait to that for the actual season to get started in October. So this one felt a little more smoother going into it. So 
it's just great to have it back. And I like the new time slot on Saturdays too. Saturday night Star Wars. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but the season premiere, I thought it was great. I was really happy with it. Now going into it, and I hopefully most people were thinking like this. They shouldn't have expect Siege of Lothal epicness of this <laughs> premiere because how can you get a top Darth Vader? Not only fighting Kanan and Ezra, but doing amazing stuff in his tie advance and realizing Ahsoka is still alive. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that for a premiere. So my expectations weren't that high. And good thing they were because there was no like epic moments like that in this premiere, but I thought it was still a really cool, solid episode. And it just got off with a bang. And we saw clips of this, some of the first stuff they released of Ezra and Sabine and Zeb rescuing Hondo. And that was just a really fun sequence. Hondo was great in this episode. I mean, his dialogue with uh, Ezra was good as ever. And then <laughs> hearing him speak the language of the Ognots, I mean, <laughs> that was one of the greatest Hondo moments ever. <laughs> so he was great. But that opening sequence, we're seeing the new Ezra just showing off his new Force abilities. And yeah, they tease it in some of the clips, like where he takes control of the walker and just has to mow down those stormtroopers pretty brutally too. And then to see how that finishes off where he just has the walker walk off the cliff and <laughs> Ezra has no beefs about it. And then Sabine even makes a comment like, when did Kanan teach you that? And he's all, he didn't. So right off the bat, you're getting the more serious Ezra and just how much he's changed. And of course, how he's grown as far as uh, physically with his new design and just in the forest abilities too. So it started off great. And then just, catching up with the characters again and their, you know, how their lives are now after the big events that happened in the Twilight of the Apprentice finale with Kanan being blind, him coping with that. Got the rebels on their new base. So I just like this new status quo of the series and just for the team in general, just knowing, especially when I'm watching season two on Blu-ray, just seeing and remembering where it all got started from season one and continuing with season two and just where they're at now. It's just, I think a great progression of all these characters that we've gotten so far, in particular Kanan and Ezra, because they had some great moments when Kanan was, you know, tell, confronting him about using that Sith holocron and just knowing how the relationship started and where it's at now. Just some great character development, I thought. And then we get into what I thought was one of the best parts of the episode more stuff with the Force and the new character, Bendu, who's in the gray. I mean, I just love getting new aspects of the Force like this. And they didn't reveal everything about him as far as, you know, we just know that he's in the middle, neither with the light nor the dark. And it was just a cool, you know, kind of like Yoda moment with him helping Kanan not physically get his eyesight back, but get his sight back within the Force and how to use the Force to help him see and, be, you know, find himself pretty much. It was just a great sequence, I thought, with... Kanan and Bendu. So he was a character I was looking forward to, and he delivered. I just loved seeing him. So we looks like we're going to get him in the next episode, too. So I'm hoping he's a character that stays throughout the season. And one of my other favorite aspects of the episode is just how much it's tying in into what we're going to see in A New Hope. I absolutely love the mission they went on where Hondo told them about the base where they're dismantling Y-Wings from the Clone Wars. And I just thought that was such a great concept. You know, the Empire has no use for these ships anymore, so they're just going to get rid of them. But the Rebels could use them, so <laughs> let's try to steal these things. And maybe some great action sequences, too, with them trying to get into that station, with Rex trying to shoot down that uh, droid, and he flies out of the Phantom, and Zeb has to hold him, but yet he's still blasting at it. More great action from Rex is always cool for me to see, obviously. But 
I just love the idea that we're getting more ties into a new hope. And the thing that topped it off was at the end where they were able to get those Y wings out and Harris telling them, you know, these Y wings aren't for us. They're being sent to general Dodonna. Yeah. We know is the general we see at Yavin base on a new hope. So just all the connectivity there is just so good. And then you throw in the growth of the characters, like I was talking about with Ezra and Kanan, and you throw in new force, uh, hopefully more stuff with the force. We're going to learn with Bendu. Just all in all, it made for, I think, a really good season finale. Yeah, it wasn't as epic as Siege of Lothal was, but still a great way to kick off the season. And I haven't even mentioned Thrawn, Thrawn yet. So. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, <laughs> I haven't even gotten to that guy. No, I, I have to say, I thought he was going to be in it more. I didn't read too much as far because we know they showed this at Celebration Europe. I read a few reviews, but not too many. So I didn't have a clear idea of how much Thrawn was going to be in this. And I thought he would be in it more. But at the same time, I don't think that's really a disappointment because we know he's going to be the main threat without the season. And if this is just an introduction for him, which is fine. you got to establish where he is at in the Empire. And we know he's going to play a big role and show off you know, how good he is as a tactician and an admiral in later episodes of the season. So mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. It just caught me a little bit by surprise that he wasn't in it as much. So, yeah, I was really happy with this premiere. And I think it got the season off started with the bang and just you know can't wait for more as we get into the season so yeah i was really happy with it Mm -hmm. yeah i mean like you said there weren't really any big epic standout moments it was not on the level of siege of lothal or twilight of the apprentice or anything like that um but again like you said those weren't the expectations you should have had going into it um although i mean i think they did set the expectations pretty high by bringing in Thrawn this season. Um, and I was maybe, maybe slightly disappointed that we just didn't see more of him, um, in this episode. But at the same time, I mean, I get that it's just the introduction to the character and he's not like a big imposing villain, like Vader who needs to make a dramatic entrance and immediately, uh, you know, sort of kick some butt to establish like, this is not somebody you want to mess with. Um, I think Thrawn is more, I mean, I think it fits more with his character that, you know, he's more cold and calculating and ruthless and you kind of just get to know him a little bit more, you know, as as time goes on. And I'm sure eventually we're going to see him evolve some big master plan. Um, In fact, I think, you know, he said at the end of the episode, he that he let the rebels get away with the Y wings. Um, cause he was like, uh, you know, there was some other Admiral that was like, you know, well, why would we do that? And he's like, yeah, well, of course he would disagree cause he doesn't see the bigger picture. Um, and you know, let them have their small victory, but you know, we'll use this against them in the long run and they'll be the, I think he says something like they'll be the architects of their own destruction or something like that. Um, so we didn't really get like a big, satisfying, uh, you know, sort of really cool Thrawn moment, but definitely sets up some intriguing stuff that, you know, we already know, like, this guy's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, let's see where he goes with this. And, you know, there's there's going to be a lot more development with him down the line, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, he's going to be, you know, a big imposing threat at some point. Um but I mean, as for the rest of it, yeah, the, the mission to get the Y-Wings was cool. I loved the name drop of, you know, General Dodonna at the end. Um, like you said, it just makes it feel like we're getting closer and closer to a new hope. Um, and, you know, 
we don't know how closely these characters are going to be involved with the events of that movie or with uh, Rogue One or anything like that. But, you know, just to know that it's all existing in the same universe and that we're getting closer to, you know, the big stuff that we know is going to be going down. That's really cool to see. Um, and, and, you know, especially knowing, too, like this isn't just them stealing Y-Wings for the Rebel Alliance. It's like those are the Y-Wings that they used on the Death Star run. Yep. Like, that is really cool. Um, and most of them don't make it out. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, most of the X-Wings don't make it out either. Um, but then, um, you know, so that was cool. See, I mean, man, Ezra, like you said, has definitely... Uh, this is a, you know, Ezra 2.0 that we're seeing this season. Yeah, um, and it's interesting because I, I don't know if I've just talked about, talked to friends about this before, or if I've mentioned this on this show, but, um, like even when we saw that first preview clip of, uh, I don't remember if it was like a clip they released or if it was from the trailer, but it was like, you know, the first time you see Ezra, like flipping down the hallway with his lightsaber and then like shooting stormtroopers and stuff like that, um, I'm like, one thing that's always bugged me just a little bit about Rebels is, I mean, it seems like, you know, because it's Disney XD and it's a kid's show that they try to, like, shy away from some of the violence and stuff. And, I mean, not that I'm saying that it should be overly brutal and we should be seeing people get decapitated like we did on Clone Wars um, or that there's anything wrong with having it be kid-friendly. But at the same time, I'm like, it's Star Wars, stormtroopers get shot, and when they get shot, they die. And, you know, in like season one, whenever they'd have a big battle scene where, you know, they'd have a, a big shootout and then you'd see Zeb, you know, knocking stormtrooper heads together and Kanan would be, you know, just blasting them. And in the aftermath, you'd see all the stormtroopers lying on the ground and they'd all be like moaning or sort of just like moving a little bit just and it felt like they're just trying to show like, see, kids, it's OK. They're not dead. Yeah. And I'm like. I don't know about that. Like some of those guys definitely should have been dead. And on the one hand, it's nice to see stormtrooper armor actually working because goodness knows in the movie, <laughs> it did nothing. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, the, it's, the, there's a difference between, you know, keeping it family friendly and not making it overly violent and just making it slightly unbelievable, you know? Um, but then suddenly it's like they've done a complete 180 here. Um, and, you know, I'll, like you said, in that opening scene where the rebels are breaking Hondo out of prison, there are plenty of uh, stormtroopers and Ugnots alike who you know are not getting up and walking that off. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Ezra just, you know, shooting people with his blaster. He's He's gotten rid of the... Um, you know, kind of gimmicky, half stun gun, half lightsaber hybrid. He's got a new green lightsaber now. Who knows where he got the crystals for it, but it looks cool, so I'll give him a pass on that. Yeah, I hope that's um, something they do explain down the line, because I would like to know where he got a new <laughs> lightsaber. I wouldn't count on it, because yeah. I also would have liked to see them explain how Ahsoka got a second lightsaber in Clone Wars, and they never mentioned that. I mean, and that was halfway well, through the season too, not even at the beginning of a season. Well, that's easy though. They could have just took a trip to Ilum and got her another lightsaber. Well, right. <laughs> but I mean, it's not that it was like confusing how she got it. It was just a matter of like, you know, it's such a drastic change for the character. Like we, we've seen her fight with one saber and now she's using two. And I'm not saying I wanted a whole episode devoted to her going and searching for another crystal. I just would have liked to see 
you know, at least like a line of dialogue referencing it or something like that. What I really would have loved to see was an episode just start off, like maybe, you know, the Citadel arc or something like that. Have it start off with a scene of Anakin and Ahsoka sparring in the Jedi Temple. Um, you know, just having like a lightsaber sparring session and then and he says something about, uh, you know, okay, if you're going to learn this new form, you've got to keep your guard up with that second saber or something like that. And then, you know, Yoda comes in and interrupts him to give him the mission. Um, yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved to see something like that, but I mean, like if we didn't get that for, for clone wars with Ahsoka, I'm like, I'm not really expecting, uh, to get that now with rebels, especially cause they didn't mention it in the first episode, but yeah. But this makes you think, especially this era of where they're at in Star Wars, but lightsabers aren't a dime a dozen that come by. Yeah, exactly. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, eh, I can give it a pass. You know, again, it's more of just sort of a stylistic overhaul um, and just so, you know, showing a dramatic change for Ezra. But again, the fact that he's, you know, blasting stormtroopers with a real gun, cutting them down with his lightsaber, and then the way he just takes control of that Walker pilot and just makes him, you know, mow down his own guys and then just walk the thing right off the cliff. Yeah. It's like cold. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that seems like something one of us would do by accident in battlefront, but he does it on purpose. Uh, yeah. I would um, walk off the cliff driving the walker just by myself, not be good with the controls. <laughs> um, and so seeing that it's like, I'm like, man, I wanted the you know the action and the violence and stuff to be a little bit more realistic but i didn't need them to go this dark with it especially from ezra like i didn't really have a problem with him using a stun gun before because i'm like okay i get that he's supposed to be the one that kids identify with and you know he's 14 is he really old enough to be like killing people yet i mean not that i'm saying you're ever at an age where you're old enough to kill somebody now but you know from a certain standpoint of soldiers going off to war and whatnot it's like Obviously, kids shouldn't have to worry about that yet. But now Ezra's probably like 16 at this point and is just like taking people out. Um, and of course, we saw this with Ahsoka in Clone Wars too when she, you know, decapitated all those Mandalorians. But um, I don't know. It feels a little bit different here where like Ahsoka, you know, grew up around the Jedi and is, has been trained in combat all her life and is in the middle of this galaxy engulfing war that's going on. Um, whereas with Ezra, he's, um, you know, kind of still new to all this and to see it be, you know, just such a dramatic shift from last season. It's like, you know, he's been learning some stuff from that dark side holocron. Um, and it, I mean, it's, it's funny how much he's starting to remind me of Anakin already after one episode where, he's sort of thinking that the end justifies the means, you know, like it seems like his heart is still in the right place. Um, where, you know, it's not like he wants to be evil or just like go give this holocron to Maul and become a Sith Lord or something. It's like he wants to get stronger. He wants to be able to protect his friends. He wants to be able to defeat the Empire and, you know, help all the the people in the galaxy that the Empire is oppressing. Um, and, you know, so he's sort of doing all this for the right reasons and wants to do it for good, but yeah, doesn't... Like coming off the season finale of everything that happened there, you could definitely understand why he, now more than ever he'd want to use that holocron just get as powerful as it can yeah but then you you know you already see like um you know when 
you uh, you talked about the part where he makes the walker fall off the cliff and then Sabine's like, when did Kanan teach you that? And he's like, he didn't. You know, he's starting to already get some like sideways glances from some of his teammates. Like, hey, yeah, it's cool that you've got all these new force powers, but this seems a little extreme. Like, are we sure about this? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to see and I can't wait to see like where they go with it this season, especially in the next episode uh which will already see the return of Darth Maul coming back and I'm glad they're not wasting time with bringing him back. <laughs> right? Yeah, this isn't season 5 of Clone Wars. It's like, "Oh, you can't wait to see that Maul and Death Watch story arc we showed you in the trailer? Well, here, have some Droid Squad first." Which was the perfect episode to get us all ready for the Darth Maul ones, I have to say, right? Uh Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still the only one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I like Gregor yeah, the, there's and, and. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, there's more great characters in that arc. You're forgetting uh, R2D2. <laughs> Obviously. All right, I, won't I mean, everybody it. loves R2. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you know, the season failure. It was or the the season premiere was good. It didn't you know totally blow me away. Um, although I did you know I didn't mention uh, Bendu yet, but yeah, he was cool. Um, it was interesting because he. I mean, even though they talked about him or this sort of being similar to how they did like the Mortis arc on Clone Wars, where they bring in, you know, this m sort of mystical character who shows us a different side of the force that we haven't seen before. Um, I feel like Mortis was a lot more sort of um, ambiguous and it was just, you know, George Lucas trying to sort of expand on the mythology of the force. And they spent a lot of time with, you know, just the father talking to Anakin and explaining the balance between the dark side and the light and all that kind of stuff. Whereas this, I mean, even though Bendu like as a character kind of feels similar in that vein, I mean, as far as his purpose in the episode, it definitely felt more direct. Like he almost felt more of a, he, he felt like more of a plot device for getting Kanan back into the action by, you know, being the one to sort of teach him the force lesson and, uh, help him to you know see again using the force and it's like well you know they could have just had yoda make another appearance from across <laughs> the galaxy but they just you know chose to bring in this new character instead so i mean i i did think he was cool i liked the design of him i liked the idea i liked tom baker's voice um it just wasn't sort of as grand and you know sort of mind-bending as i thought it might be um but I think, you know, he, he served his purpose well in the episode. And it was interesting because at first, you know, when he's talking to Kanan about, um, you know, just using the force to sense out around him and being able to sense things and feel things and hear things and sort of being able to, to get by on his other senses and not just on sight. It's like, at first that kind of seemed like, well, yeah, no, duh, like he's a Jedi, he can use the force. Shouldn't he already know how to do that? But I liked how it kind of... Um, it, it kind of made Kanan more relatable because you realize on the one hand, he, you know, as much as we see him use the force and fight with a lightsaber and stuff in this show, you do have to realize he still, you know, never got farther than Padawan um, as far as his formal well, Jedi. Until recently at the end of season two, but right. <laughs> still pretty. Right. But that was still just sort of a, a um, symbolic like trial. But yeah. as far as actually like going through formal Jedi training at the Jedi temple and stuff, you know, he hasn't done that since he was 14. Um, but then also, you know, just sort of, I thought of it in terms of like, if I put myself in his shoes, you can definitely see how like, yeah, even though he's a Jedi and he's got force powers and stuff, he's still 
you know, a, a human being with just regular emotions and stuff. And, you know, Kanan especially having lived so much of his life away from the Jedi and just, you know, sort of being a, a scoundrel and whatever. Um, and so to think that, yeah, he got, you know, betrayed by Maul and blinded in a fight. And then, you know, they lost Ahsoka and uh, now, you know, Ezra's kind of off doing his own thing. And, you know, I'm sure he feels... Uh, you know, just sort of lost and down and maybe, you know, needed to to have this lesson from Bendu to just sort of pick himself back up and realize like, oh yeah, I do have the force. I can use that to still kind of see. Like, I feel like, you know, as an audience member that can kind of feel like, you know, a no-brainer, but then you put yourself in his shoes and I'm like, I could definitely see how he, you know, that might not have been the first thing to come to his mind. Be like, oh, I'm blind now? Yeah, no biggie. I can just see using the force. Like, no, obviously that would have been, you know, he's he's definitely in a low place um, at the beginning of the season, and Bendu has to, you know, sort of teach him to to trust in himself again and trust in the Force and kind of get back to where he was. So I thought that was a cool story arc, especially when, uh, you know, Kanan brings that beacon out with him that keeps those spiders away, and Bendu just picks it up and snaps yeah. it. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's definitely, like... You know, it's interesting to see like those sort of gray area characters where, I mean, definitely Bendu seems more benevolent. You know, he's, he doesn't seem like he's going to be a bad guy or anything, but um, he also is not like, you know, oh, poor Kanan, come here, like, let me help you. He's just like, you know, what yeah, do you want? You can't see? Okay, well, what are you going to do about it, you know? Yeah, it's something that, you know, in the back of your mind, if he shows up in future episodes, which I think, well, I hope he'll be, you know, a character shows up throughout the course of the season where he might not necessarily give them advice or train him in things that, you know, would be not part of the normal normal Jedi teachings of the light side. I mean, at the end of the, this premiere, you did get the vibe that, you know, Ezra, he was, you know, good about letting go of the holocron and apologizing for the way he acted and all that. But Bendu has that holocron that's, from the Sith, you know, so there's going to be associated with the dark side. He's in the middle, so he's not going to... He could have the opportunity, or he might think it'd be wise to share more dark side wisdom with Ezra, whether he's going to do more training with him or not. So it's like he can go either way, depending on the situation, which I think makes his character more intriguing to see how he's going to affect the growth of Ezra and his training, and maybe even with Kanan too. So while things played out, good and it helped them in this episode it might not be the same further down the line of future episodes that have to deal with the force and uh, Ezra's training so I think that's fascinating mm -hmm. yeah and also I mean it'll be interesting to see how much he plays into the rest of the season because I don't think he's going to keep or going to be holding on to that holocron for very long um, given what's going on in the next episode so um but yeah, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, <laughs> but what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, I, I'm just thinking for somehow Kanan and Ezra convince him to give it back to him once they have to try to free Hera and the ghost crew. But we'll see how it's Oh, yeah. Out. No, well, yeah. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Maul is going to just, like, kill Bendu in the next episode. I, I think he'll be more of a recurring character over the course of the season. I'm just saying as far as him having that Sith holocron, I don't think he's going to be, like, sitting on that all season. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so that's the premiere, um, you know, some cool stuff going on and some even cooler setups for, you know, maybe more potential things going on down the road. Um, 
but I am really excited for the uh, this next episode, Holocrons of Fate, that airs this Saturday. And uh, they just released a preview for this, uh, like a preview clip, I think today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that, oh my goodness, looks <laughs> so good. Um, first of all, it's the return of Darth Maul. Um, if you guys haven't seen this clip yet, you should just go check it out right now. I mean, unless you're waiting to watch the episode, but no, just just watch the clip now because um, I think there's some implications in there that aren't directly stated. But if you think about like um, sort of what's been going on in the show and what's been going on in in Star Wars history there's some exciting implications there because I mean, obviously like I said, Maul's back. And in this preview clip, he, he gets on board the ghost or yeah, gets on board the ghost. Um, cause from some of these preview images too, you see him on the ghost with the crew. There's one shot where it looks like they're fighting him or trying to get him off the ship or something. Um, but I mean the, the description of the episode says Ezra and Kanan face Maul, uh, Oh, no, that's the second part. This is when Maul takes the crew of the ghost hostage, Ezra and Kanan must recover an ancient artifact to save them. Um, so yeah, I think that ancient artifact might be the Sith holocron uh, that Kanan just gave to Bendu. Um, because also like in one of the images here and in some shots from the trailer, it looked like Maul and Ezra are like combining uh, two holocrons. The other one being Kanan's Jedi holocron, which we haven't seen in a while. And frankly, I kind of forgot that he had. But in this preview (laughs) clip, Maul is like interrogating Hera and trying to find out where this uh, the Jedi holocron is, which is still stored on the ship. And he basically does the same thing Kylo Ren does in The Force Awakens, (laughs) where he just puts his hand up and is like reading her mind and you know sort of like her he's he's almost like reliving her past memories and he's there in like Kanan's room and so and he's remembering or he's he's sort of seeing her memory of like when Ezra stole the holocron and then Kanan convinced him to give it back and how it was Hera's idea to you know recruit Ezra as part of the team and but he's like oh and then you know he returned the holocron and Kanan put it right back in here and he pulls out a drawer and there's the holocron, but I mean, it's just so sort of like dark and tense and I just love the way they set it up. But then as soon as Maul picked up that holocron, you remember what the big focus of that was when we saw it in the first episode Yeah, <laughs> that he's got the message from Obi-Wan stored in there. And I'm like, you know, does Maul want this thing for, for power and knowledge or is he really after all these years still just going after Kenobi? And is that going to, like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if we saw the two of them, like if that was this year's season finale on Rebels, oh, after, getting, <laughs> after getting Kanan versus Ahsoka, or Kanan, Vader versus Ahsoka <laughs> last season, Cap season three, with Maul versus Obi-Wan. Like, oh, <laughs> even though I have no idea how they would bring Obi-Wan into the show, because we haven't seen him or heard from him at all since that first season. Um, it's and like, I, you don't bring Obi-Wan to the ghost crew or Darth Maul, you bring them to Obi-Wan and Tatooine. That's how you do it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, exactly. Yeah. If Maul is going hunting for him, it's like, yeah, you just have him show up there. Um, Or maybe even have Maul go after Luke. uh, You know, if he just like senses another force sensitive person on Tatooine or something like that. But um, no, I think it'd be awesome to just have him still going for revenge on Obi-Wan. Although it's not like that holocron would have Obi-Wan's location. Um, 
because he wasn't even on Tatooine at that point. It was just his message that he broadcast from the uh, from the Jedi Temple, um, you know, when he rewired the beacon. Um, but still, like, if they could find some way to do that. It's like that hasn't been their plan all along because obviously we know their original plan was to have Vader kill off Maul in uh, Twilight of the Apprentice, and then they decided not to do that just to you know, spend more time focusing on the Vader and Ahsoka confrontation. But now that Maul is still around, I'm like, I'm not in any big hurry for them to kill him off because I just, ever since they brought him back in Clone Wars, I just love seeing what kind of schemes he's up to next. But to to finally end his story with a final showdown with Obi-Wan, I think would be so perfect. Like... I think especially that's how it has to end. <laughs> what I think that's how it has to end. <laughs> yeah, I mean especially because I've always felt like even though I like even though I've loved every story that they've had with Darth Maul since they brought him back, I feel like there's still a little part of me that kind of wishes he had stayed dead just because it I mean it's such a crucial part of Obi-Wan's story, you know, being the first Jedi in like a thousand years to kill a Sith Lord. Um and then, you know, just not really knowing where Maul's story goes. It's like, well, it was simpler just thinking he got killed in The Phantom Menace. And now we got him back with robot legs and stuff. And, you know, he was on Clone Wars, but then Clone Wars got canceled. Like, what's the deal with Maul? And I think if they were to just bring that full circle and, and not, you know, having Obi-Wan kill him off wouldn't just be like a lazy story decision. It would still perfectly make sense that I mean, if any heck, we already know if anyone can hold a grudge for multiple years, it's Maul. He already, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like every day for ten years, all he thought about was killing Obi Wan. So here, you know, fifteen years later, I would not be surprised if he still has a beef with him. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I I would love to see that happen. I guess the only problem would be, well, no, that wouldn't even really be a problem. <clears throat> I'm thinking if we saw Obi-Wan like kill off Maul in this time period, it might kind of be like, well, man, if he could still beat Maul, why couldn't he beat Vader? But then it's like, well, he let himself get beat by exactly. Vader to yeah. <laughs> become more powerful than he could possibly imagine. So, yeah, I don't think that'd be a problem at all. Yeah. But I mean, I'm kind of right there with you where maybe he's not going after the holocron because he knows that Obi-Wan's message is in there, but he just goes because he wants to because it's a Jedi holocron. But when he discovers Obi Wan's message, that's like a thing that opens his eyes. Like Kenobi, like he's still, it's possible he's still out there because maybe he knows that this was, well, yeah, it would be after Order sixty six. That's you know he implies that in his message, so he knows that he's still out there, and that maybe sets him off on his hunt. Whatever you know, how a story plays out in this episode, and if he appears later on in the season, but maybe that's that an idea that's in his head now, or I can finally get Kenobi once and for all. And like you said, make for one epic showdown, hopefully to wrap up his story arc. But mm -hmm. yeah, that clip was just really good. It was, it was chilling in a way, like you said, having him probe Hera's mind to what we <laughs> reminiscent, like Kylo Ren did in the force awakened. Like you mentioned, I got the same exact vibe. It was just really cool to see. But the other thing I really liked in that clip too, was finally hearing someone called uh, Kanan Jarrus by his real name, Caleb Dune which is something we read in uh, the new Dawn novel and, of course, in the Kanan comic book. But I'm pretty sure it was never mentioned in any episode of Star Wars Rebels yet. So I'm, like, 99% sure. But in case there was, uh, maybe I'm just not remembering an instance. But I think this is the first time to hear someone call him Caleb Doom. And I thought it was really mm. cool. 
and especially to have it be Darth Maul and of course Sam Witwer just giving it another awesome performance just in this one clip and you know we're just going to get more great stuff in the whole episode so yeah it looks like this episode is just continuing off the strong start that season 3 has so far this one looks not just from this clip but from the clip we saw in Celebration Europe where he sends Kanan off in the airlock like, yeah. how's he going to get out of that one so there's going to be a lot of cool stuff in this episode I can't wait yeah for sure um, so you know just one more reason to look forward to this coming Saturday as if we all needed another reason to look forward to the weekend. I know. <laughs> um, we've also got uh, titles for some more upcoming episodes. Um, and this was released, you know, before the, um, the premiere came out. So um, this was, you know, just the titles for the first six episodes of the season. Um, so of course we had steps into shadow parts one and two, and then this week's is going to be holocrons of fate. Um, and then after that, we've got the Antilles extraction. Uh, I wonder what which, that one's going to be about. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, Bale Antilles, the Senator from Alderaan who went <laughs> against Palpatine. There you go. <laughs> um, and then we've got Hera's Heroes and The Last Battle, which sounds like it'll probably be, uh, you know, involving that clip that we see in the trailer where um, there's some old battle droids that get activated again. Yep. And Rex says something about one last day in the Grand Army of the Republic. Um, yeah, that one stood out to me the most because uh, for, like you said, that reason of it being probably that episode. But in an interview with IGN did during Celebration Europe, he was referring to that clip of them fighting the battle droids and he actually called the episode the last battle of the clone wars i was like oh man that's, that just sounds awesome so i wonder if maybe he said it wrong in the interview or maybe they decided to cut out the clone wars part of the last battle but mm -hmm. regardless you know it's going to be a clone wars heavy centric episode and it's going to be awesome <laughs> yeah you know rex is going to be prominent battle droids against with the empire it's, it's going to be crazy and this is Probably after Holocrons of Faith, the next one I'm most looking forward to. It's, I think it's going to be epic. I would completely agree with you there. Um, and then I'm excited for later in the season getting more into Sabine and Mandalore and Death Watch and her getting Pre Vizsla's old Darksaber back. Yeah. So, um, man, yeah, I, I do have to say, even though I wasn't like completely you know, blown away by the season premiere this year, I'm glad to see that like there's more stuff coming down the line that I'm even more excited about. Whereas, I mean, honestly, like I enjoyed season two, um, but I feel like, man, having it bookended by those two Vader and Ahsoka episodes kind of overshadowed everything else, to be honest. Like thinking back on it now, I can only remember like a small handful of other standout moments from season two. Like obviously seeing Rex and the clones again, um, the one episode where Zeb and Callus get stranded together and have to like work together to survive. That was a really good one. Um, and then of course, you know, seeing more of Yoda and the inquisitors and stuff like that. But I'm like, when I think of season two of rebels, really all that comes to mind is the siege of Lothal and um, twilight of the apprentice. Um, and to have this one start out on, you know, a little bit more low key note, but then to just build into more and more cool stuff for the rest of the season with, you know, Maul and Bendu and the growing rebellion with, you know, Y Wings and Wedge and, uh, you know, seeing Rex get to fight clones again and getting more into the history of Mandalore and Death Watch and all that. It's like there's a lot of cool stuff coming up and I hope it all, you know, delivers really well. Yeah. I think when you 
if we get the season two Blu-ray and you watch it, the episodes again, you'll start to remember how there were there were definitely cool episodes mixed in there. As I'm going through it, I'm getting reminded of that too. So yeah, and I'm not saying they were bad or anything. I'm just saying that, like, as far as just memorable moments and yeah. characters and stuff, like, how do you top Vader fighting Ahsoka? Oh, sure. Well, you really can't. Um, yeah. But- I just episode I just rewatched last night was uh, the Protector of Concord Dawn. That one's a really great one, especially the beginning space battle. Mm, or, that yeah. was really cool. There was like no music playing in there, but it just had a great effect of the like, drawing you into the atmosphere of that space battle. It was really well done. Okay, yeah, that one was also fantastic. But you're totally right how season three is shaping up. I don't think it's going to fall into the same trap that season three of the Clone Wars did, where it got off to an awesome start with those Camino episodes with the clones. But then we got dragged down into those Senate episodes, like Pursuit of Peace and uh, Corruption and all that stuff. And your favorite episode with uh, the shopping for Yogan Fruit, <laughs> the evil plans of that uh, one. <laughs> but it looks like we're getting the yes, good Yes, who could of- forget the, the sheer joy I felt watching R2-D2 go through a <laughs> droid spa? Like, Really? And this was supposed to be like a prequel to an episode from season one that didn't need a prequel. That's right. Yeah, that whole timeline fiasco. (laughs) That would Uh, happen a lot during season three. (laughs) I forgot. Yeah. Uh, Let's. uh, I. We don't need to go on a whole tangent about bad Clone Wars episodes because Clone Wars is like my favorite animated series of all time, and I love that show. It had so many awesome moments, but there's just like a small handful of episodes that could get wiped from existence and i would not complain yeah (laughs) but yeah where i was going with it i don't think season three of rebels is gonna have that problem just based on these first six and what else we saw in the trailer so i think we're gonna be in for a good smooth ride this season Mm -hmm. um and speaking of upcoming stuff there's also going to be uh the return of yet another uh familiar character from the clone wars that'll be appearing on uh rebels this season um possible spoiler alert if you don't want to know a lot of stuff about you know the upcoming season but uh we do you know as i said we know that uh there's going to be a lot of stuff involving mandalore and death watch and uh sabine's ties to all that but now we know um that katie sackhoff confirmed at a um a sci-fi convention in australia that uh she's going to be returning as bo um you know, this season as part of all that Mandalore stuff. So that'll be awesome to see as well. Um, And, you know, I I mean, as much as they want rebels to be, you know, its own story and have its own, you know, strong characters. Like I also just, you know, love seeing all these returning characters from clone wars in here, like, uh, you know, Ahsoka obviously and Hondo and Darth Maul and uh, now getting to see Bo-Katan come back to, you know, it's going to be, it's always great just to see, you know, where some of these characters ended up since we didn't get to, you know, finish up all their storylines on Clone Wars. Definitely, yeah. She's a character that, I mean, the last time we saw her as Obi-Wan was leaving Mandalore, he just wanted to know what happened after that. So it'd be cool, not only because she was a cool character in Clone Wars, but hopefully her being in Rebels now will get a little more light onto what happened after that, maybe by a few lines of dialogue here and there. So definitely excited that she's coming back and just can't wait to see how... Uh, her story ties into Sabine's, which you know you can easily assume she's going to be somehow related to her, whether it's her mom or aunt or something. I don't know, since she is from uh, House Vizsla, so you could probably easily make a connection there. But 
still excited to see, you know, how exactly she's going to fit into all that and what happened after that uh, event in the Clone Wars with Darth Maul was uh, in charge of Mandalore. And hopefully, too, more references to the Siege of Mandalore story arc that <laughs> we were teased about so much during Celebration Europe that we know was a big event in the Clone Wars to, you know, actually the last one of the last battles of the Clone Wars. So that would be cool to get more insight on that, too. So her appearance in Rebels can have a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. Man, I still am just like hoping for the day that we get to see the battle play out of like Ahsoka and Bogotan and Rex like facing off against Maul. Oh man. <laughs> There's probably nothing I want to see more in Star Wars happen than that. <laughs> Those episodes to get made or told somehow, some way. Yeah, like give us a TV movie, give us a comic book, give us anything. Just make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that'll be awesome to see uh, her return and see that whole story arc play out. Um, also, this is pretty cool. Um, they are re- releasing slash have released uh, full soundtrack albums for Rebels Season 1 and 2. Uh, the Season 1 album is already out now. Um, and the Season 2 album is coming out this Friday, uh, the 30th. So yeah, by the time this episode drops, that'll be like tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to check this out yet. Cause, uh, I heard about this, you know, earlier in the month when they first announced it and then, uh, kind of forgot about it until we were getting ready for this episode. And I saw the news article again and I was like, Oh yeah, I got to go check that out. But I know, um, you know, both of them come with, you know, a lot of stuff spanning the whole season. I think the season one soundtrack is uh, 28 tracks and then season two has 33. Um, And uh, yeah, man, can't wait to check out, especially that season two soundtrack, because again, I want to go back and just listen to all that stuff from, uh, you know, Vader and Ahsoka and their themes and their duel and, you know, Malachor and all that awesome stuff. So yeah, I had a chance to listen to the first soundtrack this past weekend it was definitely good and i was telling you before we recorded i didn't realize how awesome the the grand inquisitors theme was from season one it's this great you know medieval style uh, choir style theme for him whenever he was entering or had a scene so it was cool just to hear that in full you know without i guess being distracted by the visuals and the lightsaber battle that they were having so this theme was definitely a standout for season one yeah, definitely. I'm going to, like I said, have to go check that one out. I don't know, maybe I'll listen to that tonight while I'm editing the episode or something. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, cool to see uh, them releasing, you know, all this music from the show for us fans to get to listen to. Um, and then lastly, um, there's kind of a big piece of news that I think some people were kind of worried about at first, and now it sounds like uh, it's not something that's really... Uh, worth worrying over, but, um, there was another change for season three of Rebels that, uh, a lot of people probably might not have noticed, but Dave Filoni is no longer the supervising director for Star Wars Rebels. Um, he's still an executive producer, um, and the new supervising director is Justin Ridge, who has, uh, directed episodes of Rebels and Clone Wars in the past. Um, and, you know, I think when this came out, a lot of people were worried that maybe, Dave was kind of getting ready to step down at Lucasfilm, that he was kind of trying to scale back his involvement in the show a little bit. Um, But since then, you know, there have been a lot of responses from uh, like Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter. um, And there was even a uh, 
an official statement released from a, a Lucasfilm spokesperson saying Dave is still just as involved as ever overseeing all aspects of Star Wars Rebels production as executive producer and occasionally directing episodes in many ways mentoring Justin and moving him into the role as supervising director has made it possible for Dave to be even more immersed in the writing and story structure of the show as well as creatively overseeing future animation development so I mean it there's not really any confirmation there that they're working on another animated project, but it certainly sounds like they might be at least laying the groundwork for it and that they want Dave Filoni to be involved in that too. Um, but it also sounds like he, uh, you know, might be kind of stepping back from being hands-on with like the creation of the, the technical aspects of the show and the animation and stuff like that and focusing more on just like the, the creative side and the story and the writing and, um, you know, developing the characters and whatnot, essentially like being the George Lucas of Star Wars animation, um, which would be, you know, even more so the case if he's sort of overseeing multiple animated projects, which is such an exciting concept, like, especially because, you know, like, did he really need to cancel Clone Wars to then start Rebels? Like, we could have had those two going on at the same time, and that would have been awesome. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I wasn't too worried about it when I first heard that. And just to get these reassurances afterwards is, you know, it's great to see, uh, somebody else being able to step up and, uh, you know, sort of, uh, be the supervising director like Dave has been for so long. And it's also great to see him moving up to, uh, sort of more of an overseer position and exciting to think about what the future might hold for other possible, uh, Star Wars animated series or projects, you know, who knows that could be an animated movie or something like that too. Yeah, to me, this is nothing but great news. I mean, to find out that he's going to be involved with... The, it seems like they just want him to be their animation guy, which I think all of us fans of Clone Wars and Rebels would want to. I mean, we don't want to see Dave leave with Star Wars. It's definitely a Star Wars animation. So the fact that he's going to be overseeing all this stuff is just great. It's, it's not like we're... Like you said, it's cool that it sounds like we're going to be having multiple Star Wars animated projects, which is going to be awesome. And I kind of didn't want it to be where Dave's just on Rebels and they bring someone else to do another show. I like it that Dave is going to oversee everything and maybe not be fully involved like he was, was with Rebels, but as long as he's in, in there with the story and the structures of that, that's the main thing and where you know he really shines. So the fact that he's going to be overseeing that is exciting and the prospect of getting more Star Wars animated projects. I mean, we were just talking about the Siege of Mandalore. Maybe this is something we might get now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, animated movie, but that might be wishful thinking. But the possibilities yeah. are going to be there. Where it's just not going to be one series or one animated project at a time. They'll be doing multiple stuff with Dave Filoni at the helm. I mean, how much more would you want <laughs> for Star Wars animation fans? I think this is great news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. I mean, that was sort of the first thing that jumped to my mind. I was like, oh, does that mean we're going to get like a an animated movie of the siege of Mandalore eh, probably wishful thinking, but like that would be the best thing ever. I know. And just, we'll probably start hearing about future projects, maybe even as soon as next year that are going to be in development. So yeah, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> especially Star Wars animated this... projects, multiple games, movies. Man. Yeah. I mean, you think E3 is going to be good next year. Celebration next year is going <laughs> to be off the chain. I know, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be where one of these new animated projects gets announced. Exactly. Maybe they won't have too much, but we'll get an idea of what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, pretty much they're just going to have the Star Wars animation panel, not just, you know, the Star Wars Rebels panel. <laughs> it's going to yeah. have a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, and, and like you said, as far as Dave just sort of, you know, being the one that's like creatively overseeing multiple projects, I mean, there's no one better, like, with him having worked directly with George Lucas for so many years on Clone Wars. Like, I mean, if you want somebody to who who knows animation really well and knows Star Wars really well and knows the fans really well and can sort of just balance all those aspects and sort of guide these projects in the right direction and just make sure it feels authentic and, like, good Star Wars storytelling, like, he's the guy. There's you know, he wish he could be involved with everything Star Wars, but yeah, we I know mean, his main thing's animation, so we've got to keep him at least in there. Yeah, I mean, there's no one I would trust even remotely as much to, you know, just handle all the the animation side of, um, of you know, future Star Wars projects, and hopefully we get you know multiple things. And I mean, I would love to see him be able to direct an animated movie or you know, maybe at least have like a couple animated series going on at once. I mean, if he's, if he's overseeing multiple projects, I don't know how many things that's going to encompass. You know what I mean? Um, cause it's not like we need to have five star Wars animated series yeah. going on all at once. And if we got to the point where there were five, I'm sure by that point rebels would have wrapped up cause you know, they'd run into a new hope. Um, but you know, just the, the prospect of, seeing you know exploring different time periods uh you know seeing different characters and whether it's uh revisiting the clone wars and wrapping up some of those storylines or doing stuff in between episodes six and seven which i also would love to see um you know maybe uh a series about the adventures of uh of luke's new jedi before kylo ren murders them all um or whether it's something you know set even before episode one or, you know, whatever, like there's just so many exciting things they could do. Um, Captain Phasma, the animated series. Uh, yeah, how Phasma got out of, I want to see just an animated short of how, like a Phasma falling into the trash compactor and then how she managed to get out before Starkiller base exploded. (laughs) The trash compactor is right next to some escape pods or escape transport ships or something <laughs> oh my gosh or what if just the whole trash section like got blown out into space <laughs> like like uh you know when they nuked the fridge in indiana jones yeah oh man <laughs> <laughs> they nuked the trash compactor yeah <laughs> there's a new meme <laughs> that might have to be our title for this episode <laughs> i think i found it yep there we go and people are going to listen to it for two and a half hours going what the heck does any of this have to do with oh there it is yeah <laughs> hey, if um, it has to deal with captain phasma it's fine by me <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i mean as we I talked about before like, about yeah i mean i'm enthusiastic <laughs> about her armor I, I wish they had given me some more stuff to be enthusiastic about with her. <laughs> uh, I keep um, saying this, but episode eight, the redemption of Captain Phasma. Just wait. Oh, but we have so many other things to cover in that movie. She'll get her moment. She'll get her moment. If I not, mean, I, I I'm kinda... still, I'll, I'm viewing it as, you know, three strikes. If, same thing in episode eight. I'll be over two. And then hopefully if she survives it to episode nine, then I'll really be hoping and praying for something, <laughs> some type of great moment for her. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that kind of goes without saying, because if she went all three movies without having any important role, 
like, and you were still rooting for her, you'd be the only one left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'll never abandon you. Yeah. But I mean, I will say, especially now that I'm caught up on Game of Thrones and like now I know who Gwendolyn Christie is and I've mm-hmm. seen her in action. I'm like, oh man, I kind of wish she had a bigger role in Star Wars. Yeah. Like that, you know, that would be cool to see. How can you not give her not necessarily a lightsaber, but some type of sword combat sequence? <laughs> yeah. All the more reason why she should have been the one to fight Finn with that stun baton. I know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, well, anyway, I think that is just about all we've got to cover. Um, next, let's see, what is that? Yeah, weekend after next. So October 6th through the 9th is New York Comic Con. Um, I don't know if they've announced anything official for Star Wars yet, but if there you know, is any big announcements or anything, you can be sure we'll cover that. Um, although, actually, we did see, I know one of our listeners sent us a comment on Facebook. Um, you were just asking about you know, what kind of stuff people are excited about. Um, and I just had it up on my phone, and then it disappeared. Um, but uh, one of our listeners, Jason Birch, uh, commented on our Facebook post and said, I'm looking forward to hear news from next week's New York Comic Con regarding the expansion for Star Wars The Old Republic, which I admittedly have not kept up with recently. Um, but I am looking to, I mean, I'll probably get back into that at some point. And I don't know, maybe if there's a really cool new trailer for another expansion um, from this New York Comic Con, maybe that'll get me to finally uh, get back in there and finish all the story chapters for uh, Fallen Empire that I haven't gotten around to yet. Because, um, you know, last year Battlefront came out and that was taking up all my gaming time. And then I got a girlfriend and she, you know, lived far away and we only got to see each other on weekends, which is when I was playing the Old Republic. And so then, yeah, it kind of just slowly faded away, but I've always been, you know, thinking about getting back into that. So, uh, I'm excited too to, you know, see what kind of new stuff is going on there and see if that can maybe, you know, get me to finally, uh, put down the Xbox controller and the Death Star trench runs and, uh, get back into, you know, the, being my old Republic Jedi Knight and all that fun stuff. Um, but also, you know, if there's anything about, um, Rebels or, you know, Rogue One or anything else like that, um, from that convention, uh, we will hopefully have some cool stuff to talk about on our next episode. Definitely. And we'll just be that much closer to rogue one and (laughs) we'll get more details on that third and assume probably the final trailer for rogue one. I wouldn't think there'll be any after that. So yeah, we'll just be that much closer to it for sure. Um, all right. Well, Tim, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Um, I'm just going to share a quick treat we got from uh, PJ-1 at JJFarms31 on Twitter, um, giving his response for the Death Star DLC. He just said he was only able to play it for a small amount of time last night, but he liked it. And he said the gameplay was a little different. And yeah, Battle Station is a different mode that uh, we're used to from other uh, Battlefront game mode, so I understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, it's different, but so much fun. So <laughs> I'm glad it was that different. Yeah. So. Also, I, I just got to call out our, our friend Paul Herman here, who replied to uh, <laughs> your tweet asking for people's thoughts on the Death Star DLC, and he said, I think it sucks. And I know for a fact that is not true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Paul, I got to call you out here, because Tim was not on for our discussion the other night, but 
Tim, you know, in, in all the many hours we've spent playing Battlefront together, what's the one mode we can never get Paul to play with us? Oh, that would be Fighter Squadron. That would be Fighter Squadron. Well, Paul and I were playing Fighter Squadron over the surface of the Death Star the other night, and he said that the Death Star DLC has made him like Fighter Squadron. And I said, that's it. We've done it. We can, <laughs> like, if a meteor hit the Earth tomorrow and we died, I would go to heaven happy because <laughs> we got Paul to admit to liking Fighter Squadron. So, Paul, that's bogus. You know the Death Star doesn't suck. <laughs> well, now we know we can play all the different maps with Paul now on Fighter Squadron, not just the Death Star since he likes it. So. Yeah, well, I, I mean... <laughs> As we said, there's only the three maps on the Death Star, but we I still don't think we'd ever be able to get him back into like Droid Run or Heroes versus Villains or something like that. But, you know, yeah, as well, long as we got Fighter Squad. Yeah, that's the most important one. Heroes versus Villains, I haven't played that probably <laughs> like since the first month the game came out. Yeah, so like some of those other ones are debatable. And those Heroes versus Villains matches just take forever. Yeah. Um, although I do think it would be fun to go back into that now. Now that, you, like, I think you could have a full team of heroes and villains with all the ones that have come out in the expansions. That's true. Um, we should try that next time just to see because it yeah. could be better. Yeah, because I I don't remember if they changed it, but it used to be six on six. It might be eight on eight now, but you know when it was six on six, it was like half the team would get to play as a hero because there were only three heroes when the game first came out. Um, but now you've got six on each side, so you could just have a full squad of heroes and villains going at it. Yeah, it so that be could dumb be fun. They try to raise it up, just keep it as it is, and have everyone just be heroes and villains because that's what they want to play when you're playing that mode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, all right. You know, thanks to you guys who uh, sent us your replies on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Um, you know, always love to interact with uh, you know the listeners and just chat Star Wars with people. Um, and of course, if you want to, uh, you know, follow us online, you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. You can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com and you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and send us your thoughts, comments, questions, uh, random theories, on uh you know who's ray who ray's parents are in episode eight uh whether or not phasma actually got her trash compactor nuked into space you know (laughs) whatever we just love talking star wars with you guys so uh hit us up on there uh also you can uh check out the thunder quack podcast network and all the other uh you know great podcasts and shows we've got on there at thunderquack.com um you know, we always like to cover, uh, you know, some of the bigger uh, Rebels news and stuff that's coming up in the season and, you know, do reviews of like the, the season premiere and the season finale and stuff like that. But uh, of course, our friends Mike and Matt over on the Rebels podcast are covering that show every week and talking in depth about every episode. So you can uh, check them out for more Rebels coverage. Um, and I think that's going to do it. So everybody enjoy uh you know, hunting for Rogue One stuff this weekend um, and uh, blowing up the Death Star and all that fun stuff. Um, We will see you on our next episode. And until then, may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody.